The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Ian Lee, she's Catherine Boyle. What up? Is that microphone on? Yes. Unfortunately, really? you're listening to the late night alternative on talk. What was that? 
It's me sliding behind the microphone. Radio. Uh, here's a, here's a, a novelty for a phone-in show. Please don't call in for the first hour. Please, for the love of all that is holy, don't call in for the first hour. Uh, we've got a really, really packed show tonight. A little bit later on, we're going to be speaking, hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, to... What are you doing? Such a, I'm trying to be, present a professional radio show, I'll and you're doing your eye makeup. Well, no, I'm not. Later on, we'll be speaking... Am I a bit Alice Cooper? Um, uh, that you're past your prime, yeah. Um, Later on, we'll be speaking to one of the cast of Day 5, which is this show, which, honestly, I think is absolutely brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, I'm off next week, and for for some reason, we seem to have crammed the last couple of shows, the last three shows, because, remember, yesterday's show, uh, just packed with guests. I hope you don't mind. I I don't think you will, because they're um, they're all great... Great people. Tomorrow, you'll hear what happened when I hung out with Mike Stock um, from Stock Aitken and Waterman, and also um, Robin Asquith from Naughty Movies. From the 70s. Whoa! From up the ladder, going... And the 80s, because he did a sitcom called Bottle Boys. Bottle Boys, Bottle Boys, up with the lark. Don't care if it's early, who cares if it's dark. And in that, did he happen across um, women in their dressing gowns? A lot of negligees that were certainly were not um, fire retardant. Um, but tonight, dear listener, um, this is... Uh, I was, I've been after this bloke for absolutely ages and um, he was very politely rebuffing me and um, eventually he gave in. Uh, Mark Lewisham uh, has written loads of books, not just about the Beatles. He's fam- most famous for the Beatles. He's written books about Benny Hill. He's written books about all kinds of comedians. Um, if you remember a week or so ago, I had this big Radio Times book of all comedy shows that have been shown on British television... He did that. Um, but in, in terms of music uh, history, he is an absolute legend, uh, having written so many books about the Beatles. And he started writing books about the Beatles before it was fashionable um, to do it. Um, so if you're a Beatles fan, you're going to love this chat. If you're not a Beatles fan, I think you might still dig it, because it's, it, it's two kind of geeky blokes geeking out. Um, and I got to go to his bat cave. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and enjoy um, a delightful conversation between myself, Ian Lee, good evening, and Mr Mark Lewison. This is very exciting. I'm a huge Beatles fan, as you know, and I'm off. I've been trying to get this guy on the show for ages, a guy called Mark Lewison, and he knows everything there is about the Beatles. He's... Um, writing a trilogy, a biography, about the group. And the first part of the trilogy uh, only goes up to, I think, 1962, and is around eight or 900 pages long. This is the detail. Uh, and he knows everything. He's worked in the vault, and um, he's kind of a legend in Beatling circles, and I've been after him for ages. So I'm off to meet him. Um, so I'm now going to shut the car door and start the engine, and you'll hear that, and it'll paint kind of a, a picture of me going on a journey. So here we go. The journey is complete. It took about an hour. I'm still in my car. You're now going to hear the obligatory seatbelt unclipping, key being taken out, door shutting. Although I should tell you that this is uh, this is all fake um, because I'm going to make it sound like I'm walking straight to Mark's front door. I won't be. I've got to put some stuff in the boot of my car. So here goes. Right, here we go. Very excited 
like this. Shut the gate. Hello. Hi. Are you Mark? No. No, Mark in. Ring the bell. I'll, I will knock. We normally answer the door. Oh, okay. He'll probably think we've answered it. I shall, I shall knock heavily and angrily. No, he won't hear you. Oh. Okay. Shall I come that way? Yeah. Thank you, mate. Time for us to be quiet. Hello, oh, Mark. Hi. I'm Ian. Yeah, hello, Ian. Nice to meet you. Yeah, How are you doing? You too. Right. I'm good, thanks. Where do thanks you want to go? Do you want to do it in here? Or? I think this is the best place because we've got the guys in the kitchen. Beautiful. And uh, they're knocking off shortly. <laughs> we'll stay um, here. I mean, we could stay in the house, but my wife will be home at some point and that will make looks a noise. like a treasure trove. Yeah. This, I, brought, I brought a present for you. I brought the enemy. I brought a Mike Nesmith. Hey, I run, cool. a, I run a small record label, and we release monkeys-related really? uh, at the Paris items. too. When yeah. was this recorded? Nineteen seventy-five. I should say we are in the Batcave. I mean, or the Beatle Cave. This is just a wonderful treasure trove of CDs and DVDs and books. I mean, look, at, is this is this all Beatles books here? This yes, wall here, pretty much. Like. Yeah. The, um, yeah, there's a few reference books on top. Uh, Whitaker's Almanacs, yeah. I, I, I have a collection of those. Um, and general music and music-related and chart books on the bottom shelf. But in between, yes, it's all fabs. Uh, and this is kind of the A selection, if you like, the ones that I need to turn to more often than the others, which yeah. are round on the back wall, wow. which occupies the whole length of that wall on about five levels. So there's been a lot of books on the Beatles. There's been a few books on the Beatles. Um, it has to be said that, that yours, Tune In, um, is just... I've got, it's just wonderful. I've not read the, the expanded version. Right. I've, I, but I have downloaded the audiobook of the expanded version. No, there isn't. Is it not? Is no. it not? No, oh, no, is the, that the standard? The audio is the regular abridged version, oh, so-called, which is still quite a big book. It's 43 hours. <laughs> yes. So. Yeah, brilliantly read by Clive Mantle. Um, <laughs> I was planning to do it, but um, there just wasn't enough time. Um, it is, for those who don't know, it's, it's going to be a series of three books uh, detailing the Beatles story in more detail than has ever been done before. I think, how many pages are in the first book, and when does it go up to? Uh, the first volume covers the history of, of, of the Beatles and everything, because yep. it's not just about the Beatles, but it's pr principally them, of course. Um, it goes up to the end of 62, and the full version is 1,700 pages. Um, uh, but a real page turner. Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the uh, thing, and, and I, I've read a lot of Beatles yes. books, so I, you know, I, I feel I know a bit. But the the I read the abridged version, uh, but it was full of stuff I didn't know, and um, all of it was fascinating. There was no, you know, kind of filler in there. The Beatles have the very best story of all entertainment, showbiz, whatever you want to call it, yeah. rock, pop, whatever. They have the very best story of all. Mm. Uh, and what it needed doing, as um, Charles Sharmari, the critic, um, said, who knew that what the Beatles story needed was supersizing? <laughs> um, and I really appreciated that, because what it needs, this book, is uh, this story, is to, is to breathe. Yeah. Uh, and it needs, there's too many important things that you would cut out if you were cramming the whole story into one book, which typically is the way biography is done. Yeah. So I had the idea of doing the biography, I call it history, really, yeah. in three volumes. Um, and by the time, if they're all of similar length to the first, and I think they will be, we're talking about 5,000 pages. 
to tell their story and the story of everything that was going on in around their world yeah. because the Beatles are part of a, of a whole cultural movement. Um, they're at the forefront of it, but everything fo is following. So I'm telling the whole 60s story, really. How long did Volume 1 take to write? Uh, about three and a half years to write, but the entire thing, including research, was ten years. Right, OK. And it's shaping up to be something similar for Volume 2. Do you have a... I'm going to say... I'm, you're in, I, I see people ask you this all the time on Twitter. Do you have a date in mind as when, when it might be available? All along, I've been saying that I'm aiming for 2020, and that is true. But I'm beginning to realise that whilst aiming for it, I may not, I may not hit it. Um, I really, at this point, I genuinely don't know. I don't think it's going to be 2020. It's, it's looming too soon now. Um, but as soon after that as I can make it, within a year or two. Uh, how did you get into the Beatles? Why, why the Beatles for you? And what were you, how did you sort of get involved in their world? I was um, born in 1958, so I was five years old in 1963. That's when the Beatles broke through in this country. And I heard them on the radio because you couldn't really avoid them that year. They made pop music interesting in a way that nobody really had. I wasn't aware of Cliff or Adam Faith or Billy Fury. That was all just a bit before me. But with the Beatles, I also heard The Stones and Jerry and the Pacemakers and Freddie and the Dreamers and all that lot. And um, it was great. It was exciting. But the Beatles always had so much more than anybody else. I mean, their breakthrough was... Well, it was a, a kind of cultural phenomenon this country had never experienced in the 20th century, and we haven't had since. That one year, 63, changed everything. It changed the path of popular entertainment in this country. And although that sounds grand, and although the Beatles weren't trying to do that, the, the impact of their breakthrough was that big, that it all happened. And they got me. And I was a fan from that point on. I joined the fan club when I was about eight, and I, the, my first album was Sgt. Pepper. Wow. Uh, on, the wow. Fifth, on this uh, 50th anniversary, I tweeted a photograph taken of me in the back garden uh, in Harrow uh, in 1968, I think it was, in black and white, of me in short trousers wearing the things that you were meant to cut out oh, wow. you, from you, the album. Yeah, brilliant. I did cut them out. I put them all on. I dragged my mother out into the garden. <laughs> and that picture is now on my Twitter feed. Fantastic. And um, I've been into it ever since. But that is a long distance from that to actually... Yeah, how does that change from being a fan to actually... Uh, I know you've been involved with the Beatles and, and, and working with them and writing and uh, about yeah. them. How, does, how do you take that step? Um, I'm, I'm a born researcher. Mm. I wasn't a born writer, but I got into writing because I needed to express my research. And um, and then I found that I could write. So I'm really a writer because of the Beatles, and I'm, a, I'm a, a researcher because I always knew the Beatles subject was worthy of proper research. Uh, and in the late 70s, when I began researching them, I was about 20, 21, um, it, there hadn't really been any research. It was all too recent, the Beatles. In fact, in the 70s, it was hard to be a Beatles fan in, in this country because the British, we British, are great at, at thinking everything is yesterday. Mm. Uh, and, in you know, immediately the Beatles broke up. We all just moved on with other music. Glam rock came in and, and then punk in 76, 77. And I was into all of that. I was a big new wave record buyer. Um, but I was also still a Beatles fan. And uh, there wasn't really any information about them, so I decided to research it all myself. And yeah. the first thing I researched was their their extraordinary career as um, BBC radio session musicians or guys who did BBC radio sessions. 
Um, and then I researched all the Beatles' live appearances, and that led on to my first book, which led me to work for Paul McCartney because he liked that book and offered me work. Can I ask, how did, did he read it and did you suddenly get a phone call, you know, from Paul McCartney? How does that work? Yeah, um, he got, yeah, pretty much just like ah. that. He got a copy of the book and I'm not quite sure who gave it to him or maybe he just picked it up somehow. Um, but uh, the DJ Roger Scott on Capital Radio I in those days. I used to know Roger Scott when I was... I used to be friends with his son, yes. who's, um, uh, who, who sadly passed away a few years ago, yes. actually, yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, well, Roger was interviewing him for Capital Radio, and I think he took along a copy of my book, but Paul already knew it. Mm. And, in fact, Paul signed that copy to me and said, like, 10 out of 10. Wow. Um, and soon after, I had an invitation to work for him, directly from him. So I worked for Paul for about 15 years, and obviously, you know, being that I went back to 1963 as a little fan, um, that was a great thrill. First day in the office, in McCartney's office, do you remember what that was? That must have been a buzz, man. Uh, I never worked full-time in the office. I was only ever a contracted consultant, right. but um, the very first time I interviewed him was up at his office, and he'd had an accident. can't quite remember the detail, and he had it was some, some reason why he couldn't quite shake hands, and I'd lacerated my thumb and I also couldn't shake so we shook little fingers <laughs> like schoolboy friends and uh, I interviewed him and it went really well because I think he appreciated being asked questions that were just a little bit more yeah. knowledgeable and informed than most interviewers mm. were giving him and that remains the case to this day um, and then I was working for EMI also doing the book of the Beatles recording sessions yep. another great book which came out 30 years ago. I was doing it 30 years ago now. It was 87 I was writing it. Wow. And it came out in 88. And that book had a big impact. That, that's 30. Yes. God, that, I've got that. that. That seems incredible that that was that long ago. Yeah, I know. Wow. Everything's becoming long ago now. That's the <laughs> problem it? with getting old, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Beatles Recording Sessions book became my passport in a way. Yeah. Everybody knew that book much more than I anticipated. I thought it was going to be quite this kind of niche specialist thing, and indeed it is, but the Beatles can be quite a big niche. Mm. And it sold, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand copies quite quickly, wow. and I just wished I had been on a royalty. It is quite... Um, uh, for those who don't know, it's, it is quite... I like books of lists and mm. dates and facts, and this, this um, is, is almost like a diary, if I remember it correctly, detailing every recording session, what who was there, what they did, what, what takes they did, what tracks they did. Um, and uh, it is, it's quite a geeky book. Amazing it sold that many copies. Well, I suppose so, but at the end of the day, uh, the, the Beatles, uh, you, you can love the, and appreciate the Beatles for any number of reasons, and, and that's quite a wide variety yeah. of, of, of reasons. Um, it all comes down to the music, yeah. really. And, and what I hadn't appreciated was how well-received that book would be amongst musicians. Right. And that's really where it took off. Um, guys in bands all over the world picked it up and went, oh, this is how they did it. Mm. Not that it's a technical book, because I'm not that technical myself. Um, but it, it certainly was the first book to reveal any kind of information about how they did things in the studio and when they did them and the circumstances of the recording of all those incredible tracks. Um, you got to listen to all the tapes. I got to listen to most of the tapes. That book was actually done in quite a hurry for reasons that were beyond my control. Um, I would rewrite it completely differently now, and there's a lot more knowledge and information now than we had back then. 
Um, it was pre-internet and pre-study, if you like, of Beatles music to the extent that we have these days. But within the three-volume, the three-volume history I'm writing now, I am actually going to rewrite all the Beatles recording okay. session stuff. Yeah. Uh, I've started in the first book, in the first volume, Tune In. There's quite a few entries there that in a sense, could be lifted out to form a whole new recording sessions, but which in the end might happen. Because I can't personally open the recording sessions book. I know there's a lot of errors right. in it. It was done to the best of my ability at the time, but there were circumstances that dictated that it was quite hurried. Um, I've got to ask a fanboy question. I'm going to try not to do too many fanboys. You've heard Carnival of Light, haven't you? Yeah, of course. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yes. of course, of course. Yes. Because this is the great lost Beatles thing, this this ambient avant-garde piece that Paul McCartney made for an event, uh, Alexandra Palace. Roundhouse. 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 Um, and it's this legendary thing, and when the anthology series came out, will Carnival of Light be on it? No. And it keeps getting teased. It nearly was. Was it? It was nearly on anthology, yeah. I, I was... that The anthology was kind of the... the um, the apex of my work for the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, I was George Martin's right-hand man throughout that, the audio compilations, the three double CDs, uh, as well as working on the other aspects of it. And naturally, I mean, part of the reason I was there was to recommend things uh, and to use my knowledge to, to suggest what might be on there. And I pushed for Carnival of mm. Light. But Beatles... Um, projects have their own little politic political yeah. world there's a lot of politics in that kind of situation and um i won't go into too many details but of the paul was quite happy for it to be on there but of the three others who needed to approve it it didn't get unanimous approval okay. and is, so it didn't run is it any good it's a matter of judgment. Um, it's when it comes out, will people be disappointed? Yes, I think so. Right, I think so, and I think the moment it comes out, pretty much that'll be the end of of any kind of demand or speculation right. about it. Not only because people have heard it, but because people, as you say, they they'll probably be disappointed. Yeah. It's it's something. It, it, it may read better uh, because I described it in the recording sessions book. It may read better than it actually sounds. Um, it's it's not a very exciting piece, and it didn't make the anthology for a number of reasons, but one of which was artistically it would have kind of dragged the right, whole thing okay. down. So you were there with George Martin suggesting um, what should be on the anthology, which tracks and which takes. That Again, that is just... Yeah. What, what, a, what a great job. Yeah, the anthology in its entirety, all elements of it, the TV series as well, um, it was it was a great, great thing to be mm. involved with. And it was really the last great project. So the first of Apple's really new creative strand in, in that they weren't just reissuing, they were actually generating new products. I say Apple, I mean, of course, Apple Core, mm. not Apple Computers, because people now listening to that would think Apple, that they, they did Beatles yeah. albums, but of course I mean the Beatles Apple. Um, it was a fantastic project to be involved with the whole of it, and uh, it was great to work so closely with George Martin. And um, I, I'm no longer involved in the creative things that they do, partly because I'm now doing this three-volume series, and that's unauthorised, and there needs to be distance between me right. and them, and partly because they've moved on to other people that they turn to yeah. now. Um, but all the same, it's not George Martin anymore. And it's not George Harrison anymore. Mm. Um, and things have changed. Do you, have you had any feedback from um, the estates or the surviving Beatles on TuneIn? I've had absolutely no feedback whatsoever. <laughs> and are, you, are, you, are you okay with that? Is that the way you want it? Or is, were you kind of hoping that maybe you'd get a phone call or...? 
Uh, I'm surprised. I should have I should have learned long ago not to be surprised. But bearing in mind how much I know of their opinion of books on the Beatles, right. because they have a dim view of most books on the Beatles, uh, I would have thought that if they looked at this book, they would see that this is the one book that they can open both their eyes to and turn the pages with confidence, yeah. because it doesn't have any opinions in it. Uh, it's it's history told in the truest way with the eve, most even of hands. Um, but how they judge things and how they measure things is completely different to you and I because they've been majorly in the spotlight and on the receiving end of, of all sorts of uh, treatments by different people for 54 mm. years now. They don't think like we do anymore. Um, and there's a lot of politics involved and I, I, I'm kind of, I'm well out on the outside these days of, yeah. of, of that, that inner circle, um, which is a pity, but it doesn't affect what I'm doing yeah. because I'm, I, I've had all the good years of working for them. And now I'm very, very happy to be doing what I know needs to be done, which is to tell their story with the ultimate truth, mm. um, because they deserve nothing less. I, um, it's interesting you talk about them being, you know, the, the, the experience they've had over the past 50-odd years has, has changed them as people, and of course it would. Yeah. Um, and it's very easy to make jokes about McCartney's solo work or about Ringo. And I've probably done it in the past. We talked about your, your book, the, TV, the Radio Times Guide to TV Comedy, on the show I did, the 11 o'clock show. I'm sure we made loads of jokes about McCartney, and I'm kind of embarrassed about it now, you know, as, as an older man. Um, does it affect them if, if if there was a joke about Paul McCartney on TV and he heard would he, would he be upset by it? Do they get upset by this or are they are they above that now? Because there's been so much about them. Yeah. Well, the thing about they is we're talking in particular two Beatles yeah. or ex Beatles, and we're also talking two widows. Yeah. Um, so you can't have a they do this because there's four different people there. In Paul's case, uh, I believe I I don't know him that well anymore. Uh, although I know his life pretty thoroughly, uh, but I don't know him personally anymore. I haven't met him for a number of years. And um, but he always was susceptible to bad reviews, mm. uh, and he has a long history of taking it against people who have written something negative about right. them, uh, him, and will sometimes take the opportunity to get his own back. So I think it does still hurt. Um, I don't but get his own back. Oh, well, he's, he's, he, he has reacted in, in, he has a history of reacting right. to, to bad reviews or, or snidey words. And he has had a lot of them. I hope he has a thick skin about it more so these days because overwhelmingly they are the re recipients of the most tremendous praise mm. and more awards and honors than were ever invented for anybody else. Um, and it's, it's quite ridiculous now to, to, if you were just to compile a list of Paul McCartney's honours or awards, it, it, it would run to several pages. Yeah. And like I said, they're kind of being invented for him. So he's, he really should really be on being disappointed with the occasional snidey word. It is part of being British, isn't it, that we do criticise our own. And he has, I'm sure, heard a number of the things that have been said about him through the years. And I bet they have hurt. But um, I hope he's not hurt too much by them. Ringo seems all right, in as much as Ringo just, you know, he, he constantly once told my dad to piss off, which I'm so proud of, because my dad was, was working for BBC years ago and was trying to get him to do an interview, and it was when Ringo was, um, 
was was drinking, and he, Ringo said, "I don't want to don't interview." He said, "We'll give you four hundred quid." He said, "Piss off! I spend more on that in, in, on fags in a week," and I'm so proud of that. But um, Ringo just constantly seems to be one of life's happy people that just gets on and and does stuff. I love Ringo. Um, Ringo's being a kind of adjusted, really. I I feel. I think I might have been partly responsible for it because in Tune In, I tell Ringo's backstory for the first time, and it's an incredibly good, strong, interesting, genuine story. Uh, and it is quite remarkable how he's ended up being one of the world's most famous men when you look at the circumstances of his, uh, his, his early years. So, um, and also in, in the book, I look at Ringo's ability as a drummer um, because he's been the butt of so many jokes oh, for God, so many that. years. I hate that. I think he is such a unique, strong drummer. The drum fills on Tomorrow Never Knows. Oh, man, he's incredible. The, drum, the drumming on 215 Beatles tracks, uh, honestly, from start... I mean, OK, someone may say there was one or two he didn't play on. Yeah. Over 200, let's let's say 210 plus yeah. Beatles tracks that Ringo's drumming on, you can't find fault with no. any of it. They're they're brilliant fills. They're, his rhythm, his tempo is absolutely exactly what they needed, and and um, but it became fashionable to knock him. And there's that well-worn joke of, you know, John said he wasn't even the best drummer in the Beatles, but John never said that. But wasn't it Jasper Carrot that came up with it? The, with it that was line. a Jasper Carrot joke done after John Lennon had died. Right. But right. it ended up going in, I remember seeing it in the Times, um, you know, as John Lennon famously said. It's become history now. Yeah, so it, it needs to be unpicked. And, and he is an undergoing a renaissance ringo now, where people are recognising, finally that they've been mean to him for a very long time without actually due cause. Um, I don't know how he is on a personal level, Ringo, because I don't really know him. Um, But I do know that he's become much more active as a musician since he dried out, and that's now pretty much 30 years ago. Uh, He's in his late 70s, and he's, he's got a new album out, and he's touring, so he's still out there doing what he wants to be, which he's, is a musician. He's one of the few drummers, when you listen to him, you know it's Ringo. You can, he's just got such a solid beat yeah. going on. Yeah, he's he's a great drummer, Ringo. It needs to be said, he really is. And I don't say that because I like the Beatles. Yeah. He just is a great drummer. Um, he was never the most technical of drummers. You couldn't compare him to Buddy Rich. Um, Keith Moon was a whole different style of drummer. Ringo would only just watch in awe, and they were great mates. But at the same time... Ringo has has always been a great drummer for musicians, and it doesn't matter what people who don't know anything about drums say. Musicians love him. Yeah. Uh, do you get bored talking about the Beatles? Because I, I mentioned earlier that I, I'm a monkeys obsessive, and I've started a little label, and it's you know I write articles and bits and pieces about them, and sometimes I just want to switch off from people asking me questions on Facebook. Do you get ever get bored about the Beatles? Oh God, the bloody Beatles again. No. Really? Never. Good. Never. And I've been... I, I work as a full-time Beatles historian. Yeah. That's my job. Uh, and I work long hours every day and and can't wait to get at it and disappointed always when the day finishes. Wow, brilliant. Uh, and it's been going this way... I've been full-time on, on the Beatles for over 30 years yeah. and this particular project for 14 years now with a long stretch still ahead of me and I never tire of it. It's, it's interesting on so many levels. Um... And at the end of the day, I will 
go and have a bath and put on a Beatles album because I need to stay in, 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 in the zone and think about them differently in different circumstances. I listen to other things as well, but on the other hand, immersion is part of, of the job that I'm doing. And, but it's never a chore, mm. never. Is there, we had the 50th anniversary of Sgt Pepper and the, the box sets and all the different versions of those came out. The Beatles are quite unusual in as much as you look at the Monkees, you look at the Beach Boys um, and you look at other kind of bands from that era. They have released, you know, double album versions of their classic albums with outtakes, with stereo mixes, mono mixes, with uh, demos and stuff like that. There's been surprisingly little about of, of that kind of stuff with the Beatles. There was the anthology, there's the, the Sgt Pepper, but there hasn't been a revolver, you know, five-disc set, or an Abbey Road, or even the Let It Be. Uh, why is that, do you think? For the longest time, it was because, um, well, f the Beatles broke up in 1969-70, let's say 70, and until 89, they had no real control over the way their music was issued. Um, other than to block things. Oh, really? Is that was, was that an EMI? Yeah, thing? I mean, the Beatles recordings are owned by EMI, which is now Universal. Um, and at, until 1989, when there was a settlement of a load of lawsuits, EMI had a free hand to do whatever they wanted, apart from the fact the Beatles would always try and block it in court. Right. Uh, and until they got proper control of it, it, it Apple didn't really want to um, allow anything to occur. Then the anthology happened, pretty much as a direct result of all of that. But all the same, Neil Aspinall, who was the Beatles' original roadie and great friend who'd been managing them after they broke up, mm. looking after their affairs collectively, um, was always aware that the moment you start celebrating anniversaries, you're drawing attention to the age of something. Mm. And so he let 20th anniversaries and 25th anniversaries and even 30th anniversaries go by because he didn't want to keep shouting, all this is now quite a long time ago. And um, he missed opportunities in one respect to, to get things out on the street. On the other hand, it was quite skillful marketing mm. on his part. And I think it succeeded. Now, however, 50 years on, and there's no hiding it, it's a long time ago. And yet the music still sounds extraordinarily fresh and interesting, so why not do anniversary projects? I'm no longer involved in them, but the Pepper 50th anniversary thing I thought was superb. Yeah. Uh, I hope they go on and do the White Album. I hope they go on and do Abbey Road. I hope they go back and do all of the others yeah. um, for whatever anniversaries or even no anniversary at all. Myself as a writer and with books that are published, I always try to avoid anniversaries. Because I think that although it's a handy peg to hang something on, the moment the anniversary is passed, your release is kind of passé. Yeah. Uh, and certainly with my books, I don't want them to be discussed Saturday and forgotten Sunday. Mm. So, um, but for whatever purpose, I think there is enough market for them to go back. And certainly artistically, these things are worthy of being properly uh, explored, you know, archived. What's the deal with Let It Be? When's when's that coming out on DVD? You keep you keep getting hints that it's. Yeah. it's I think it was two thousand and four. It was going to be, and, and then it, it never happened. Because I've done what most Beatles fans. I've bought a hooky bootleg version of it because I wanted to see it. You know, but I would still plonk down dollar to get a legit version. Yeah, and so would everybody. Um, well, it's not. It's 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 not only not my project. It's entirely in the hands of Apple and yeah. and the four principal owners of Apple. Um, but also, I'm no longer involved in anything they do, so I really don't know. They could be planning it for next year, right. and I wouldn't know. I do know that back in 
2002, I did the interviews for the DVDs. Ah, OK. Yes, with, with the, the film crew. Yeah, we yeah. got um, t- the two policemen you see in the film who, who go up on the roof and stop the performance wow. in January 69. We got them back at Savile Row. Oh, we wow. went into the building. We went up on the roof with Michael Lindsay Hogg, the director. Oh, incredible. We did very well. Uh, even interviewed Neil Aspinall on camera, which didn't happen often. Mm. Um but it hasn't been used. Even that footage is 15 years old mm. now. Um, there will be reasons why it hasn't come out. There will be reasons that we don't know, uh, political reasons. Yeah. Um, that was never a happy project within the Beatles camp. Um, and I don't... Th- and, and somehow thoughts that solidified way back when remain solidified to this day. Um, they do have all the film from every day of shooting. They've married it up with the sound. They could re-release Let It Be. They could do a 50-hour DVD set of just film with sound. And it all is in beautiful, sharp colour, off the neg. Um, But there's some reason that's blocking it, and I'm not privy to what that is. Yeah, yeah. what else do you do, Mark? We've got this, this lovely book that you've written that you've very kindly given to me. I'm, I'm terrified to look in there because I'm in there. Yeah. Uh, the Radio Times Guide to TV Comedy. Tell me about that. Uh, well, back in the early 1990s, I was writing for Radio Times every week. Uh, I did that for about 15 years. And I was intent on doing something other than The Beatles because all my books had been about The Beatles. Yeah. So... Um, what can I do? And I had this idea that I thought I would be quite a big book, but it wouldn't take too long to do an encyclopedia of every comedy show that had been seen on British television since 1936. I love the way you have such small ideas. Yeah, uh, little tiny little projects. I keep doing <laughs> books that nobody else has done for the principal reason that nobody else in their right mind would actually <laughs> take it on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it turned out to be a much bigger project than I anticipated. It took about 11 years. Um, but it ended up with this book that isn't just sitcoms, it's sketch shows, stand-up, uh, and it isn't just British shows, it's American or anything else that's been shown on our TV Mm. since 36. Um, and it came out in 98, called The Radio Times Guide to TV Comedy. That's the second edition that brought it up to 2003, since when it's just kind of, that's it. It I haven't done a third, and I don't think I will. And I'm, I'm not even sure it's in print anymore. But it's it's a hell of a book. It's got about a million words, and it's it's every show, even a single five minute show that was ever on in 1949, is in that. How book. do you find all this stuff? Because obviously, you're going back that far. A lot of that stuff doesn't exist anymore. Well, it was all destroyed or never recorded. A lot of it was live yeah. and, and never preserved. Um, yes, it's it's based on knowledge of what went out and and what one can find out about the content of the program yeah. rather than from having seen it. But obviously, from about the sixties onwards, there's good opportunity to watch most shows, and I would try to watch uh, at least one episode of everything. I also had the um, services of a brilliant guy called Dick Fiddy. Mm who works for the BFI, he was a a stalwart help on the book. And his knowledge of comedy really, really helped. Um, So between us, we watched pretty much everything we could possibly watch. I was taping like mad in those days. Three or four machines running per day. If you're going to do something, my maxim is is always don't do anything half-arsed, you know. So um, I always do things thoroughly. I always like the word complete. 
And I suppose the books I'm writing now, this three-volume history, is an attempt to tell the complete story. That's a complete guide to every comedy show. If you miss something out, someone's going to be looking for that and they'll be disappointed. So have it all in there. And it's just my mentality. It's just... I'm just one of those strange people. <laughs> uh, have you got any other projects happening that are not Beatles-related? Um, not really. I mean, my time is, is pretty much uh, undeflected from this Beatles yeah. thing. I, I do, in what little spare time I allow myself, I do walk around towns, um, especially towns that are not gentrified, walk around original places with original kind of Victorian architecture and I take photographs and I've got a my first ever photo book oh, is wow. coming out this next month actually uh, in Belgium believe it or not because they're the photos I took of a Belgian town when I went there to do a Beatles yeah. event um, I just walked around and took pictures and now they're being published so little side things like that happen um, but essentially no nothing is going to distract me from these books um you get called to speak at Beatles events and things. What, what, what kind of... I bet you get treated like a god, don't you, at those kind of things? <laughs> uh, well, I wouldn't allow that. But, uh, I mean, I, it's, it's a world in which I'm fairly well known. Yeah, um, yeah I, I talk at all sorts of things. I talk at... Um, I now get paid to go and do, you know, university seminars and things like that, um, which is handy because uh, cash flow can be difficult on a project like this. Mm. Um but again, I'll try to combine it with work while I'm at it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I do drive myself, um, or I fly. Um, but I talk at a lot of events, uh, not too many because it would be a distraction. But I, I did one in London a couple of weeks ago about Brian Epstein. It was the 50th anniversary of his death, and there was a, a screening of the Arena, the two-part BBC Arena documentary, and I talked about Brian. Because it's good to get out there and meet people, and quite often people co will come up to you in an event and say, "I've got this letter or this, you know, this this piece of paper that might yeah. interest you." I'm very, very interested in documents. I'm very much writing a document-based history, and most of what you see around you in this office is documentation because memories can fade and people can reposition themselves in history if you tell history only through the oral process although it's important and it's interesting it, it it won't be as accurate as you could get it if you're looking at pieces of paper so i i look for as many letters and contracts and everything that i can find you mentioned that there's there always see, there's a, it seems to be a rush of stories at the moment of of a, a handwritten note from john lennon or lyrics or yeah. th there ha there are things that still turn up in 2017 yeah. just when you think everything has been discovered there's still stuff being found which is incredible they were great letter writers the beatles right. uh, and we're talking here about a period of time before the internet and before mobile phone before texting so a lot of this history happens on paper. It happens with uh, people, obviously, the, the, the business of the Beatles was done on paper, um, but also in the Beatles themselves would write a lot of letters and they would write postcards to one another. And these things, they keep turning up and they keep... I, I, I liken this project to a, a multi-million piece jigsaw puzzle. And my job is to find as many of the pieces as possible, to disregard what's uninteresting or unimportant, but actually with what left which is most of it to actually put it down in the right place and to see the picture that it's telling us and um this office is full of millions of those pieces mm. of of the information 
Uh, and actually assembling it is the big challenge and making sense of it and keeping it interesting for the reader. But um, it's kind of what I do. <laughs> and I'm, I'm so genuinely, as a f- huge music fan, a Beatles fan, I'm so grateful. Final thing, and I'll let you... That's not the book you're writing. Is, is that it? Is that volume two on your screen? Uh, I'm deliberately not looking at it because I don't yeah. want to... Is, is that it? No, it's, no, it's oh, not. Oh, okay, it's right. not, no. It's one of the research spines <laughs> right. of the book. That's okay. what it is, yes. I got excited. I got hot under the collar. Yes. Final thing, then. I would have to shoot you if you're so ready. Is there something... Is there something... When you listen to the, the, the tapes uh, of the Beatles, is there, is there something still... One treasure that's still lurking that hasn't been released yet that, that if it came out, Beatles fans would get all hot and sweaty for? Um, well, the best of what was left was uh, used on the anthology, yeah. and that was three double CDs. It was three triple albums in vinyl form. So that was a lot of stuff. Um, yes. I mean, the answer is yes, but I don't exactly know what it is. I personally, I used to be... The Beatles' own attitude always used to be, we only want out the stuff we put out. Mm. We don't want the rest of it. It's like, would you want your unpublished, your, you know, your draft writings put out? And I used to think, well, as the artist, they're entitled to that point of view, which, of course, they still are. But the more years' distance we have between then and now, um, the more I just think, let's have it all out. Mm. Let's just get it all out, because there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's all incredibly interesting. Mm. It is the history of our times. They they rewrote the rule book of rock music. Um, their influence is still majestic and magnificent and, and prolonged. Uh, and why not? have as much exposure as possible to their creative ideas and their creative flair. So musically, I'd like all the outtakes out, and I think they would amaze people Mm. because there are bits and pieces of them that that haven't been heard, a lot actually hasn't been heard, which would surprise people. Um, But in addition to that, beyond the music, there's phenomenal amount of TV appearances and press conferences and press interviews and things that generally are kind of buried, uh, all of which I'm now using. I'm using everything for these books, Mm. every single possible source. And it's incredibly interesting. And I don't say that because I'm, you know, dedicated historian, although I am, but it's it's interesting because these guys were amazing mm. they they really were they were they were funny they were incredibly funny they were always entertaining they were so progressive uh they were creative in every sense their films every little thing that they did so get it all out there is what i'm saying get it all out there mark it's such a thrill to meet you thank you so much for the work you do thank you it's, it's appreciated and um thanks to my my book as well i'm terrified to look in there because yeah. i know that one of the programs that you you've written about it was it was a nightmare in my life but but i appreciate it and thank you so much which one is that <laughs> which nightmare are you referring there's several nightmares in my career that i'm i'm keen to forget yes uh, mark thank you for your time i really appreciate thank it. you ian thank you very much pleasure absolute pleasure thank you there we go Open the gate, and we are out. What a delightful half an hour, 40 minutes, in the company of Mr Mark Lewison. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I'm now going to get into my car, and I'm going to shut the door, key in the slot, seatbelt on, to indicate that a journey to work 
is beginning. Over and out. One, two, three, four. <laughs> One, two. Let me tell you how it will be. There's one for you, 19 for me. Cause I'm the tax man. He is in agreement. Uncut after hours conversation for the up all night generation. The late night alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Oh, I am live. It's two minutes past eleven. Hold on to your hats, guys. I don't know where we're going to end up. It's going to be a bumpy two hours. Podcasters, butchers, losers, winners, and all of those uh, bra onanists listening to the show right now, you're all welcome. Oh, three four 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 nine nine one thousand. The late night alternative on talk radio. Um, it, I'm off on holiday next week, and we're just cramming in as many guests yesterday and tonight and tomorrow as we possibly can. I'm going to dial up the United States of America now. To hang on a minute, uh, zero zero one, isn't it? Yes. Um, to get our next guest on, um, star of the brilliant Day 5, the programme I constantly go on about because it's so good. Someone who's been let down as badly as I have by American television to find a series that is innovative, is funny, is um, uh, sizzling, is sexy, is weird, is dark. It, it's, a, it's a joy. It's a joy. And one of the stars of that show is Katie Folger. And I'm going to phone Katie right now. Let's, uh... I love the American ringtone. It sounds so exciting. Although I do hope I've got the right number. Otherwise, this could be awkward. Hello? Hello, is that Katie? This is her. Hey, Katie, this is Ian Lee. You're live on Talk Radio in the UK and across the world. How are you doing? This is so fun. I'm awesome. How are you? Well, here's the thing, right? 
Um, because yeah. I, I, I feel, obviously I don't know you, we've only spoken on Twitter, I've never met you, but I feel that I do know you, because I've, I've devoured day five, and I don't like you. That's the thing. Because your character, uh, your character Meredith is horrible. <laughs> so I have some making up to do, is that right? <laughs> is that what you're telling me? Yes, you uh, do, young lady. It is, um, t- 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 listen, we'll talk about other stuff, and if you've got any stuff you want to plug, we'll get there. But, 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 um... Tell me about day five, because Roost... I, I hadn't even heard of this Rooster Teeth um, channel until... It, 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 I was telling... We had Jesse on, your co-star, the other day, and um, I was telling yeah, him... Yeah, yeah. We, we destroyed him. He was in tears at the end of it. Let me tell you that, Katie. <laughs> he was in pieces. Wonderful. But I'm a very weird man, and I was Googling post-apocalyptic movies, because that's, ah. that's what gets me off, if I'm honest. And, um, Fabulous. yeah, and weird. And then this, and then this day five came up and I thought it's on Rooster Teeth. I've never, I bet this is going to be rubbish. I'll watch, I'll watch the first 10 minutes. Um, but I bet it's going to be absolutely awful. Oh my God, Katie. It's wonderful. What a deliciously Yay! dark show. We love it. Hey, I think it's delicious too. <laughs> Succulent, delicious, chocolatey. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy wild ride. Tell me know? about how did you, how did you? I'm, I'm, you're, you're a jobbing actress. And I know you do lots of comedy as well and stuff. How did you get this gig? Was this your, your agent phoned you up one day and said, "Katie, I've got a weird one for you." <laughs> well, you know, I've been working as an actress outside of Austin uh, for about Austin, Texas, for seven years or so, and I had worked with Rooster Teeth. This, you know burgeoning, pioneering internet empire. Yeah. Uh, I'd worked with them a couple of years ago on a little tiny web series called iBlade. Um, and then about a couple of years later, I was brought in by this amazing casting director, Vicky Boone, for the role of Meredith for mm. this show, Day 5. And like you said, I've done a bunch of comedy. Um, I, I am also like you, Ian, kind of a weird person, oh. and I guess that's why people like to put me in the comedic role. What was this? I saw a but, picture um, on your Twitter. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm looking at it now. Why are you dressed as a penguin? Uh, what the bloody well, hell is that about? Because, because, you know, I went to theater school, oh. and, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I did a play about penguins, uh, book adaptation. Uh, <laughs> like four years ago, but anyways, I, no, uh, I, uh, listen, I, I studied performing arts at, uh, at college for three years, so, uh, but, but mine was about 20 years ago before everyone had cameras on their phone, so, there are, you know, I've, 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 I've done plays in the nude, and I've dressed up as silly animals, and I've pretended to be a tree, and all of that, but there is no photographic evidence <laughs> of it. Oh, yeah, you know, I've actually thought about that, how as my career progresses, like, what kind of Silly, strange images might surface. Who knows? <laughs> you know, like because our childhoods are documented from such an early age. Now, I mean, I I made videos when I was in fifth grade. Jeez, I I, I remember I was thir- thirteen when my uncle got one of those big chunky VHS camcorders that was the size of a, 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 a of a dining room table. And now, now everybody films everything all the time. I do think. I mean, I've got more. I've got more pictures of my five-year-old boy on my phone than have ever been taken of me in my entire forty-four years. That's nuts. Yes, it's slightly terrifying, but also fantastic. You know, because I mean, anything that's powerful and great is a double-edged sword, right? Yeah. So it's awesome, 
but it's also slightly alarming. But perhaps the best things in life are, and dare I say it, <laughs> let's get philosophical here, shall we? Yes, yes. Yeah, let's get. Well, it's, it's eight minutes past eleven here on a Thursday night. We can get quite deep and stuff. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I'm glad you. I'm glad I'm talking to you now because I was just starting to argue with idiots on Twitter. Do you get? Do you get a lot of idiots on Twitter? I would have thought an attractive young actor who's in a you know a really weird cult tv series do you get some you must get some some weirdos on twitter you know i honestly don't which is amazing i the fan base for rooster teeth is so loving and giving and kind and i'm not just saying that as like something to say i mean truly these these fans and this audience is blowing my mind they're entirely gracious and remarkable uh and they're so sweet and you know the only I've had only a few weird experiences, and it just happened the other day because I did a live video uh, thing <laughs> on the day of the Uh-oh. finale, yeah. and I got some weird stuff, but it really, I kind of was, I, I didn't ignore it. I kind of was like, hey, guys, what are you doing? What's going on? Why When are you say this? weird stuff, were, were, they, were they sending, I'm going to say something, were they sending you, like, dick pics and stuff? And I say that with my tongue slightly in my cheek, but my producer, Catherine, who's, who's off doing something else at the moment, she, apparently <laughs> men think it's acceptable just to send dick pics without any, Nothing without even like any that, conversation. I'd be very upset if that were Good. the case, but nothing like that. And uh, let's hope it remains. That yes. Way, Ian. No, I do. I think it's terrible that blokes think that that's an acceptable opening gambit when they're talking to a woman online. I think it's outrageous. Outrageous behaviour. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I agree. Um, I, I, I'm wondering how much we can say about that. For, right, for those who don't know, day five, it's. Um, uh, it basically, is, there's, there's, a, there's a virus or a bug or it's a, 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 from out of space or whatever. We don't know. But if you fall asleep, you die. And it's kind of set Correct. on day five. It's on day six now. So I th- technically, they should change the name. Um, mm-hmm. It is. Uh, and I, 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 I don't want to. Sp- no spoilers. No spoilers. Let's not spoil the no uh, last series. But I do. I do like a series that's that's. Um, not afraid to um, kill off important characters. <laughs> I do like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's a crucial thing to do. I mean, that life is, a, life is not immune from accident and tragedy, and so storytelling is supposed to mirror that, right? Yeah. So uh, I think our writers, Aaron, Chris, and Josh, who are these, you know, Fallen writers at Rooster Teeth, they are definitely down to pull some surprises and not make decisions that the fans yeah. will like all of the time. And they're a cast as well. Yeah. Well, the thing, the thing, another thing I like about it is it's really short um, seasons. It's eight episodes um, in the season. And yeah. I, I was a big fan of Lost until the last 20 minutes when it just it, it let us all down. Um, but but Lost would have right. whole episodes that were just kind of filler. You know, nothing happened in it. And when you've only got eight episodes a season, there's no room for filler. Every second right. is vital to the story. Totally. Yeah, the first season was only six episodes, and the second is eight. Um, and the reason for that is Rooster Teeth, for those listening who do not know exactly what Rooster Teeth is, mm. um, they are this awesome, uh, like I said, pioneering uh, media empire, and they really got big with their first show, Red versus Blue, um, and they're really popular in the kind of 
uh, you know, gaming comedy community. Yeah. And so because of their successes, they were able to make this series. And the reason Day 5 is so special is because it's their first full-length, mm. full-budget, live-action series. Uh, especially their first traumatic series. A lot of their work, like I said, is comedic. So yeah. it was a huge honor to be a part of a show that is kind of breaking boundaries yeah. and, oh, and rules. And as a creator, I'm definitely interested in that the most. I've got um, to say as well, listen, I... Cutting edge. I am, um, Katie, I'm, I'm a, a married heterosexual man. But, geez, Wonderful. J- Love J- it. Jesse is, uh, he's one hot guy, isn't he? I mean, I totally, oh, yeah. I would totally go gay for him. <laughs> Jesse's awesome. I love him. He's, he's, he's a great guy. Yeah. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Jesse. <laughs> um, let's, Natalie's called in. Hello, Natalie. Have you got a question? Have you got a question for Katie, Natalie? Um, I have got a couple, if that's okay. Oh, you go, I'll sit back. You chat to, uh, chat to <laughs> Katie. Go on. Hey, Katie. Um, so I've just got Hi. a couple of questions. Um, first off, when you obviously, Meredith is very well known for using her weapons. Like, was there any sort of special training that you have to do to prepare yourself for that? Yeah, it's actually a great question, Natalie. So I lived in New Mexico for a short stint from October last year until late February. And I was shooting my own first project. I'm a director and writer as well. And so I was out there and I happened to meet a guy who knew the weapons and sniper trainer of Matt Damon from the Born <laughs> series. And so, oh, wow. I'm not kidding you. This is real. So I was like, wait. And he was like, this guy would love to meet with you and train you. So sure enough, Natalie, I meet up with these guys just outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. It is a real sniper and a retired real sniper. We load up in a Humvee, and we drive into the middle of the desert. Oh, man. And they're like, they're like, I hope that you cleared your day because, you know, we're going to be out here all day. And I was actually moving out of New Mexico to go back to Austin to shoot day five, season two. And I was like, guys, um, I have a going away party planned tonight. So they're like, <laughs> okay, we'll just do a half day, six hours. I am literally out there in real sniper clothes while it is hailing outside <laughs> shooting sniper rifles. This is true story. I have photos. It is real. Wow. <laughs> and, and the scary the scary thing is they said I was better than most law enforcement officials. There you go. Um, which oh. is, yikes. But, um, yeah, so to answer your question, I did. I That was the first time I had ever shot a gun, and it was with some snipers out in the desert in Albuquerque, New Hang Mexico. Hang on, I thought, I, thought all America, I, I thought all Americans had guns, like under their pillow, under the driving seat no. in the car. No, Ian, no. This is, a, no. This is terrible. <laughs> Even, no, we don't, not all of us, I do not. You, li- you, you liberal, you liberal elite. Um, Natalie, did you have oh, a, man. Did, oh, man. did you have another no. question for her, Natalie? Um, yeah, well, um, you may know me from tweeting you a lot from uh, Brian Coop fans web uh, Twitter. Oh, yeah. oh I've seen oh, you. <laughs> yeah. um, so I just want to know is. what it was. I know that obviously you didn't do many scenes with Ryan, but um, what was it like working with him? And was there like a particular scene that was like your favourite? And have you got his phone two? number so that Natalie yeah. can phone him up, please? <laughs> Yes, that would be greatly appreciated. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'll have to message Brian and and tell him I talked about him on radio. Um, But anyways, 
for those who don't know, Ryan is a very honky, up-and-coming uh, uh, Aussie actor who's in the series. And uh, I had one scene with him, like you said, Natalie. And working with Ryan was a treat. I mean, it was crazy. Like, I only was with him on set two days, but I'm not even exaggerating. Meeting him was like meeting an old friend. And it was, as an actor, it's a gift when you get to work with somebody that is so open and impulsive and instinctual um, whenever they say action. And so Ryan and I, I mean, we just we just entered it, like, snap quickly. Um, it was easy working with Ryan. He's such, a, he's such a beautiful artist and a professional, and he had everybody on set completely smitten with him, heterosexual married yep. men as yep. well. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, oh. hot, a darn fine male cast. Natalie, thank you for that. No telephone number. Um, tell, you, me, uh, tell me about the Dynamite Sisters. Yes, yeah, so Dynamite Sisters is my own production company and comedy channel that me and my best friend, Juliet Robb, uh, incubated and came up with when we were sharing a tiny apartment two years ago and we're tired of playing the same roles over and over. Um, obviously, Meredith is not. She's a definitely fantastic <laughs> character. She yeah. doesn't fall in that category. But um, anyways, in June, my best friend and I, we raised $15,000 on Kickstarter, and we're wow. about to gear up and shoot a bunch of amazing comedy content and release it on YouTube, oh, on our wow. website. Yeah, and all what you've got right now online to check out is a really silly, goofy trailer that we shot for about a grand out of our own pocket in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and that is a long story. Um, But, yeah, it's kind of our – the product of our desire to create something that's really groovy and kind of old school but modern. It's got a lot of Carol Burnett and Lucille Ball kind of – Mothers, brothers, influences. So it's we're really like shouting out back to the theatrics of old school comedy, um, and we miss that in modern comedy. We love the dryness of modern comedy, and yeah. uh, but we're interested in making something that has uh, a lot of showmanship and music and dancing and singing and uh, and all of that type of thing. So. Fifty. I, I, this is what one of the, I, I generally I kind of hate Twitter and I hate the internet. I think it's awful. But one of the great things <laughs> about living in 2017 is Kickstarter and crowdfunding. You know, I have yes. given to so many albums from artists that I like, and I've contributed to documentaries. And for 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 two young people like yourself, young people, listen to me, I'm an old man, but for two young people like yourself <laughs> to raise $15,000 so you can you can make yeah. something that will will look good and professional and is unique, that's amazing. When, when do you go into production for that? So we're actually shooting our first episode, uh, I believe, on the 10th of October, which is super rad. We're gearing up right now. We finalized the outline of our pilot episode a couple days ago yeah. and it's going to be super fun it's, uh, it's also got some Monty Python influence so kind Very of an cool. absurd wild cast of characters uh, that we want to see again and again so we're super super excited and hoping that this is the seed of many 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 years if not decades of production and is this what you want to do as well as you want to do all of it as well as acting you want to do the writing production directing <laughs> Yes, I'm greedy. I'm wow. so greedy. Um, wow. Outrageous. You know, I, yeah, I mean, it, it all, I think, works in tandem, especially in this day and age. I think that uh, creating is not so 
categorized and you can do a lot more at yeah. once. Um, I'm interested in working as an actress on uh, amazing, beautiful projects that I do not write. Um, but in the meantime, I love to create my own work and uh, it's just a form of expression that I find super thrilling and fun. And that's why I've been able to do it all. So I'm going to keep doing that until I come up against some kind of hurdle. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, let us know when, when, let us know when you've got episodes up online and we'll give them a plug on the show. Yes, I absolutely will. I nice certainly one. will. Um, Katie, yeah. listen, I, 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 I know you've got to go because I, I, I wanted you to come on at midnight and you went, ah, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm busy then. I'm going somewhere. So I hope, <laughs> I hope you're going somewhere nice. I hope you're going to have a nice, what's, um, what, what's the weather like over there at the moment? Actually, a storm is rolling yes. in probably within the hour. So it's very, it's less, it's very brooding in the sky right now. Beautiful. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the, Rain's pouring down. It's very therapeutic and appreciated because Texas uh, is so humid and and uh, yeah. we love the rain when it comes here. I've not I've not done Texas yet. I've I've done uh, New York, which I adore. I've done um, LA, which I hate. San Fran, which I adore. But Texas, <laughs> Texas is next on the list. I'm 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 coming definitely. Yes. Come to Austin, will you? That'd be so wonderful. I am coming there, Katie. It's so nice to talk to you. I wish you the best of luck with everything. Keep in touch, and we'll we'll, we'll plug all your bits and pieces. That sounds wonderful. I will, and you too, my friend. Thank you very Bye. much, Katie. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. There we go. Absolutely fan. Me and Sam are both huge Day Five fan boys, and uh, we just sat there with a big grin. Bloody Meredith was on the line. She she plays a nut job in the series. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Leon, Danny, stay there. Come to you after this. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Good evening, Leon. Oh, hello, Ian. How are you? I'm very well, Leon. Is this Leon the Inventor? Yes, hey, yeah. Hey, Leon the Inventor! How are you doing, man? Uh, really good, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to have one of Britain's premier brains on the phone to me, and I mean that sincerely. I love you, man. What you got for uh, us tonight, Leon? So, uh, well, it's not an invention, no. and uh, but, uh, and it's not. My brain didn't even see it. Oh, However, wow. I'm I, I'm from Gravesend, which is a fantastic place, yes. as well as Tilbury. Yes. And today, something uh, partly marvelous, partly kind of uh, an end of an era. Well, particularly an end of an era, one hundred percent. But also tinged in kind of sadness happened, yeah. where the twin towers at the Tilbury Power Station that for a huge amount of years, uh, longer than I could ever imagine, yeah. have looked over Gravesham and the surrounding areas, came down in an organised demolition. It was organised, so it thought... wasn't a terrorist attack, just so we know that. Was it one of those wonderful things where um, someone pressed a big red button and they just imploded on themselves? Well, I, I, I think so, but it was more of like a, a, a flop. It just kind of popped oh. over. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, but I, it, was, it probably was buttons. Is know. there is there anything more exciting to to, to mankind, and maybe just to men, than seeing a tall building um, be demolished? You you know, using doing it properly, you know, by by a team of demolition experts. I just think it is as a kid in the seventies, it was just one of the most exciting things that could ever happen. It doesn't, it don't do it too often these days. 
No, that, that's exciting. But also, if if you if you wanted to get a similar experience without the organisation, if you just yes. chuck heavy stuff off of uh, tall buildings, wow, that's a similar. Okay. Similar feel. Which, which I should just say for legal reasons, Liam, because as you know, some of my listeners is nuts. Don't chuck stuff off of tall buildings, you idiot! Just had to um, get that there. So what are they going to do? Build um, luxury luxury apartments, I bet. Is that what it's going to be? I have no idea. I don't know. I, I, um, I, if anything, I was hiding from the news and oh, any right. kind of documentation of it, because it, it, when I heard about it, it made me really sad. But now, um, kind of, it, I, I guess it's, it's it, happened. change is good. It's, yeah. it's happened. Go over there. Go to the, again, I'm, don't, I'm not, I would only say this to you, Lynn, because I know you're a response yeah. early on, you're a responsible adult. Go over there, steal a couple of bricks, put them on the mantelpiece, and um, remember those um, those stacks. I shall. Thank you. Thank you. Could I just ask? I just I was thinking earlier about microwaves, the microwave ovens. Why this might exist anyway? But why don't microwaves? Why aren't they like put around in towns and cities like a laundrette, like a room full of microwaves that people can go and pop in ready meals? whenever they want, if they've missed a train, or perhaps um, if you're homeless, you could go there and this eat is, up This is food. what I'm saying. I, when I said he was one of Britain's premier brains, I wasn't joking. This guy's well, a genius. Been... I know you get them um, in in some petrol stations, but you you kind of yeah. have to buy, you know, you have to buy the, the uh, what they call those, um, uh, 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 what they, what's the brand of um, uh, a, a beef burger that you can buy? <laughs> The uh, rustler. The rustler. That's it. Yeah. You can get the rustler and put that in the microwave in there. But, but you're right. They should have like microwave shops, like they have laundrettes. Yeah, of course they should. It's obvious now. You've said it. Yeah. Well, this is you're the second person up on this past, and it's positive, mate. You have to. You way, have to mate. do it. I wonder because micro. You're not supposed to put your head next to a microwave, are you? Because it gives off radiation. No, no. And I wonder if you had a room with, say, I don't know, what's manageable, <laughs> 75 microwaves, would would you have to wear, like, um, a ha- one of those hazardous um, suits? Or, or just visit once every yep. year or something. Um, yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Here's what you or, need to do, Leon. This is, this is my suggestion to you. We mentioned crowdfunding there with Katie. I recommend you do this. Right. You crowdfund it. You, you run one of these microwave laundrettes for a year. You see, A, on the left, you, you have to do a, a, a table, right? And you see you have a line down the middle. On the left-hand side, it's the amount of money you make. On the right-hand okay. side, it's the number of people that die due to um, cancers from radiation. And then you've got a way up the, you know, then you can see, well, I made, I made 400 pounds, but three people died. Now, that might be, you might consider that to be acceptable. I don't know. Um, but you, you need to do that. Well, maybe we'll speak in a year about it, Leon, and see how it goes. Yeah, that sounds good. Thanks for the, uh, yeah, thanks for the encouragement. Nice uh, one. Thank yeah. you very much indeed. There we go. The guy's a genius. He's a joke. Of course there should be microwave laundrettes. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense, Danny. Microwave laundrettes. Are you mad? No, mate. I'm hungry. Right. So people are supposed to walk around with ready meals. Don't you? No, no. Well, if if, if Leon is canny, and I don't want to give him too much advice, so I don't want to influence it too much. If he was canny, he'd set up next to a spa. So, well, <laughs> just open a cafe, surely. 
Well, no, because then the, if you've got a cafe, then you've got to have a chef. Then you've got to have... They'll microwave the food for you. No, you've got to have staff. You've got to have cutlery. Yeah, you've got to have someone to wash up. Yeah, yeah, mad mate. You walk around with microwave meals on your person. Or against us that you want to heat up. Since there's... No one can argue against the gin. Yeah, Daddy's coming round to our way of thinking. <laughs> listen, I work in a factory where we have microwaves and a microwave we meals. But yeah. would you really want to have one on the streets where you? I don't know what. What you just supposed to carry? Ian, you are going insane, mate. No, mate. None. No, <laughs> not at all. This you, you've just said yourself. You've got microwaves at work, so you know, and you use them, yeah. And pe- people are using them all day, yeah. So, but to be honest, most of the time I'm cooking my food at home. I'll freeze it or I'll fridge it, take it into a. Mm, I can't do it. that because when I cook the food at home and then go to freeze it, I, I go. I might as well eat it now. So I can't. I've never been able to freeze food. Well, not when you're doing eight hours of work the next day. Just eat it. What, and then don't eat anything for the next well, No, then I, then, I buy, then I buy um, a rustler and... um rustlers. Th- have you never had rustlers? Uh, do you know what? Like, how good is a rustler for you? Have you ever looked at the ingredients? Oh, mate, all I know is it raises, uh, raises <laughs> my endorphin by, the endorphins by tasting delicious. Rustlers are the greatest food in the world. See, see if we can get, let's see if we can get rustlers Ian, to sponsor I, this Ian, show. Ian, Ian, Ian. Yes, Danny. I work on six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. Eating a rustlers every day of the week is not good. Oh, mate. But hang on. We should, we should not just single out rustlers here. Should we really? There's other microwavable things. Yeah, but, but, but rustlers are the best. Well, <laughs> I can't. Rustlers can't are the... Danny, what have you called in for? I, th- I have not called in for anything, Ian. Oh. I don't listen. I, I'm sorry. What? I've listened to every podcast that you've ever done. Yes. And I don't listen to the radio. Oh, how really? And I've been really good to be kept on hold. <laughs> because it's the first time I've ever listened, listened to the see, radio live. I did see Can that I just say, for a while. I'm sitting, on, I'm sitting on a little pond next to the motorway in Liverpool. Oh, my. I'm mate. fishing. No, 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 please, Ian. I'm so happy to talk to you. Oh, bless you, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I phoned up once before and you put me through to another caller <laughs> who was talking about ghosts. <laughs> well, that might and have been. Really oh, oh, yeah, David off. Badcock, you went through to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, You're a very I, lucky I, man. I don't think it, I don't think it was Badcock. Oh. It? I thought I can't remember now. I'll go back a few months, but it's just a pleasure to talk. Are to you? You, um, you're doing a whole night fishing then? Yeah, I've got the day off tomorrow. Oh, beautiful. So I thought I'd take advantage of it tonight. I've got four kids at home. Oh, mate. Get out. Yeah. Leave them. Just enjoy myself. Is it not? A li- is it not a little bit nippy though? It's, well, the, 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 wind, the wind's closed in now, but I've got a nice bottle of red wine to keep me warm. <laughs> You've just gone to get pissed by a river, that's all well, it is. I've just gone to get pissed by on the lake, to be honest with you, Ian. Well, yeah, I have. Danny, I'm glad you got, I'm glad, thank you for oh, waiting, I hope you have Ian, a good night. Listen, thank you very much, and I've loved talking to you, man. I enjoy the this. podcast, and keep the good work. Thank you, mate. Ta-ta, Danny, good luck. 0344 is the telephone number. If you want to um, give us a call, you can. Yeah, we started the show a bit differently today by putting the interview um, out first, and, and, and um, we're going to do a similar thing tomorrow. Tomorrow at 10 o'clock, 
Um, just because we've got so many interviews that I want to play before we go away. Tomorrow at 10 o'clock, you're going to love this one. We've got Mike Stock from Stock Aitken and Waterman. And I went to Mike Stock's house today and I spent an hour in the man's company. Honestly, 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 whatever you think of the man's music, I guarantee you will love this interview, okay? Because he is very, very funny, and he's incredibly honest, really honest. And um, I've got to say, he's got the <laughs> he's got the biggest house I've ever seen in my life. It was stunning, absolutely stunning. When I got to the gate, right, the the, the you had to buzz to get in. And I thought, I can't see the house over the top of this gate. Now, it either means he's got a bungalow or the house is quite some distance behind the gate. Well, let me tell you, it ain't no bungalow. It's an amazing place. And it, I, we, we went and sat in his studio. That He's, 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 he's just moved and it's um, some stables and he's having it converted to a studio. And he made me a cup of tea and I just geeked out. And he told me some really interesting stuff about the Paul McCartney vocal in um, the, the Ferrier, Let It Be, that we've been playing. Um, honestly, absolutely fantastic and fascinating and a really, really nice bloke. Really nice bloke. We're going to play that tomorrow at 10. Also tomorrow, around about 11, we're going to play uh, an interview that I'm doing tomorrow with Robin Asquith. Uh, to, that, that, there's a reference for the kids. 0344 499 1000. Good evening, Harry. Hip, hip, hip. Hip, 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 Harry. How are you? Um, do you know what, mate? I'm, I'm good. And I'll tell you why I'm good. Because um, I had a brilliant afternoon with um, Mike Stock. And um, tomorrow is my last day of work before I have a week off. We're going up to Scunthorpe on Sunday. We're we're doing a show in Scunthorpe on Sunday. We drive back on Monday. And on Monday afternoon, I fly to Marrakesh. Oh, my gosh. On my own. And here's the thing. I was in bed last night. I couldn't sleep because I knew I had to be up at seven. So I'm in bed at half past three in the morning, Googling on my phone things to do in Marrakesh. And I I ended up almost booking. And then I was about to click pay. And I thought, what the hell are you doing? Booking for the Tuesday morning um, a a hot air balloon ride at five (laughs) o'clock in the morning. And it was what like it was two hundred quid, and you 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 go you get you get meet, met at five o'clock. They take you to the balloon. You go up at half five. You fly out. You land. You have breakfast, and then you ride back on a camel. And I was going to do it, and then I remembered, I am absolutely petrified of heights. I'm also. And camels and uh, Moroccan food. So all of those things, and Dawn. So all of those things wow. combined meant I didn't book it. But I might still book it. I'm, I'm, I'm wanna, I want to do oh, scare oh, myself. Are you Sorry? Are you okay in aeroplanes? I'm okay in aeroplanes. I'm, o- I'm okay Why? in aeroplanes. But I don't like things where you are high up and you can look directly down. That right. just right. freaks me out, man. I'll tell you what freaks me out more. Yeah. Um, standing on a chair, which is rickety. Standing on it? Yeah. Oh, do you know what? You're, you're absolutely right. I'm like, oh, I better get down, I'm going to fall. Yeah. Or, um, I know exactly what you mean, and a similar feeling is standing on an office chair, one, you know, one with wheels. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's, that's help. They should, um, they should have that ride at the fun fair. For 50p, you get to stand <laughs> on, a, on a rickety chair, or for a quid, you can stand on a chair that's on wheels for two minutes. I'd pay for that, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> that would 
people. No, I'd go home. <laughs> It'd be brilliant. Anyway, mate, oh. what have you got for us tonight, Harry? Um, just called up to let you know that I quit um, over a week and a half ago. You quit what? Smoking? Smoking, vaping, the lot. Hey, beautiful, man. How's it going? Um, loving life. This is what uh, I want to hear. After five days, the, the little monster's gone. Yeah? As Alan Carr says. Yeah. So. Have you, did, you do, did you do the Alan Carr book? Yep. Oh, Ari, I'm so thrilled, man. Um, congratulations. My two suggestions would be, and you take with these what, if you want to use them or not, is um, I, when I first stopped, I read that book once a week. Because it's a really easy book to read, and I read it once yeah. a week for a few weeks. And um, also, um, just I found that um, the first, like, five, six, seven, eight days was easy, and then I got a bit right. cocky, and by, like, sort of day nine and ten, I was nearly going back to the smokes. Because I, I thought, oh, right. this is easy. I think I can have a cigarette. And, of course, I couldn't. So that's my only my only things I would say to be aware of. But well done, man. That's brilliant news. Right. Yeah, so, so I, first of all, he, he blew my mind because yeah. his arguments are just nuts. Yeah. It's just, it's just crazy, especially the brainwashing stuff. Um, but I've promised myself that I'm, I'm going to try my hardest not to have my first puff because after that, it can only be a downhill road. Yeah. With me. Um, with some other people, it might be okay. But, and also, I don't want, I, if I'm buying smokers now, I hate the smell. Yeah. It's just disgusting. Well, this is the thing. Your sense of smell is going to become absolutely on fire, man. Right. Harry, listen, I'm so pleased you shared that with me, mate. That's really, really good news, and I wish you the very best of luck. You've done the hard bit. you just got to keep stopping. That's it. Keep going. Nice one, man. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Cheers, Harry. There we go. That was lovely, wasn't it? Um... The switchboard is empty, dear listener. We're not really talking about anything uh, uh, at all. Just sat here kind of twiddling our thumbs, our mental thumbs. 0344 499 is the telephone number. If you want to give me a call, I am Ian Lee. This is The Late Night Alternative. You're listening on DAB, on the Talk Radio app, maybe online at talkradio.co.uk. But it, whatever you're listening to, you are listening to us on Talk Radio. Uncut after-hours conversation for the up-all-night generation. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. This, um... This microwave laundrette is a goer. This is a goer. Sue, um, Harris, who works in... She, she works in PR, so she knows her stuff. She's just texting me. You call it the micromat. This is a goer. If one of the, if one of Britain's finest, no, 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 no. Let me take that back. If one of the world's finest PR brains is coming up with names for you, guys, you know you are on to a winner. Uh, Kath and I went and saw about 20 minutes of Sparks this evening. They're on late. They're on very late. I'm an old man. What are people doing late gigs for? We went, we saw about 20 minutes of Sparks this evening. Oh man, I love that band so much. I love that band so so much. It's just, oh, what a... Home, my baby's taking me home. Oh, jeez. It's just so delicious. So delicious. So funny. The, 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 the vocal mix was a little bit muddy on some of the songs, um, but, but, the, the, but just packed 
full of jokes. Really, such a great band. 0344 499 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. You are more than welcome um, to do so. Um, we're giving away bands this evening, dear listener. If you want a band, come and get it. Oh, I tell you what we're giving away. We're, as well as giving away bands, if you want a band, 0344 499 phone up, you claim your band, you own them. And at some point in the future, we're all going to have a fight. Um, but we're also giving away, um, simply because it's been sat on the floor of my car for about a month, because we were supposed to be getting her as a guest, and then it didn't happen. Samantha Fox. Touch me. Touch. She's not been lying on the floor of my car. That would be really weird. What a strange thing for you to think. Um, but I've got a four-disc Samantha Fox box set unopened, um, and it's it's yours. If you want it, uh, 0344-499-1000. You just have to phone up and set a Samantha Fox question. Is that how you do quizzes? I've been at the BBC for too long. I don't really remember how you do phone-in quizzes on the radio. Good evening, Julian. Uh, hello. Hello, Julian. Here's my question. Who is Samantha Fox? Shut the front door, man. What are you talking about? She's a hot woman, but that's all I know. Well, well, I don't really... Well, she was... I couldn't she, tell you what she looks like. How could you not know what's... How old are you? I'm 32. Is that too old? Yeah, no, young? you're a boy. You're a boy. No, okay. um, let's just say that Samantha Fox was very much... Who's who's like a hot woman now? Generic hot woman? Uh, well, you put me on the spot there. Mm. Uh, well, I don't know. Well, Samantha, Fox, Samantha Fox right? was the Kim Kardashian of her day, okay. but with boobs. Hey, here's the thing. Yeah. You just reminded me, because we're being um, vaguely um, um, derogatory towards women. Um, we're being bawdy, Lynn. Enjoy it. Well, he, um, Howard Hughes, dirty old man. Yeah. Dir- dirty old man, nothing more, mm. surely. You dirty old man, Hugh Hefner. Hugh, no, old no, 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 Howard Hughes. <laughs> I'm Howard Hughes. Hugh Hefner, yes, that's no, it. Howard Hughes is. Yeah. Yeah. Howard Hughes is alive and well. Howard Hughes does a great show on a Sunday night here at ten o'clock. He may be a dirty old man. I don't know, but Hugh Hefner definitely just a dirty old man. Yeah, well, he's a dead, dirty old man he's now. A, but he's talking a of DDM. old men... Yes, DDOM. The, re- the real reason I called you yes, mate. was to find out, is it true that Tommy Boyd is around next week? I haven't got a clue. I'm going to be in Marrakesh, and, and I couldn't okay. give Lovely. a... Stuff. And look at Jonathan. Jonathan's saying, are you actually going to Marrakesh, or is it like that time you went there for a show on LBC? Yes, when I went and did the show from Marrakesh. So this will be my second... Visit to Marrakesh. Okay. For a holiday? Yes, I'm going for a holiday this time. Last time it was for work. We were only there for one oh. day. We did the radio show from there. Um, well, but I think you have a great time. I'm gonna, I, well, I, I don't know. I bought a Marrakesh guidebook. I just booked it on a whim. I, don't, I was, I was going to go yeah. to North Korea, um, but you, you can only go on certain windows. And then for some reason I thought, oh, I'll go to Marrakesh. And I, I, booked, I booked the flight and the hotel. I'm going for six nights. And the flight in the hotel, 490 quid. You can't argue with that. Wow, perfect. Would have been 150 quid cheaper if I'd gone with, with Ryanair. Not a chance. <laughs> um, I don't know who's in next week, um, but I'm sure you, they'll have a great can time. I, can I do it? I've presented local radio. Oh, really? What, what have you done? Oh, well, uh, a few friends uh, and I had a show uh, in Reading yeah? on the Reading Muslim community 
radio station, One Umma FM. But it's shut down now. The Reading uh, Muslim Community Radio Station. That's very niche, isn't it? Deeply rooted in the Muslim and wider community. Was it bought out by heart? No, um, that's that's a radio (laughs) joke for you guys. Um, (laughs) And what did you do on there? Uh, I I was on a Wednesday night. uh, We had something called The Late Show. Yes. Oh. And then we... We split up. There was like a rift. <laughs> One guy went in separate ways, and we. Yeah, I love. I, I love a creative rift. I really do. Yeah, yeah. There was lots of sort of infight. Well, not infighting, but in rivalry and different yeah. different ideas. So we we switched to Sunday nights and did. Let me tell you, Sunday. We try. We tried to get like personalities and. They always oh. ended up being, like, local boxers or MMA fighters. No, they don't want personality on radio, Julian. That's where you well, went well, wrong. Where did we go wrong? Yeah. Let, so it was called Let Me Tell You Sunday. Let Me Tell You Sundays was on every Sunday from 9.30pm or oh. sometimes when we showed up late. And what? And it was and it was by people, what, just telling their story? If you put LMTU into YouTube, you, you'll see uh, recordings and sometimes we... Uh, went live on on the webcam. What am I? Hang on a minute. Right. What am I typing in? LMTU. Oh, LMTU. The letters. LMTU. All right. All right, mate. Calm down. Calm down. LMTU. Well, what am I looking at? Internet relationships. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be myself and Barbara Ali. Right. Okay. So you're. Here we go. Hang on a second. Live now. Right. So you're both looking at your phones. Yeah, yeah. yeah Barbara Ali's got, um, he's, he's a big lad. He is a big lad. He's a lot bigger than me. Yeah. Um, but you look like um, you've just got, come out of prison. Uh, yeah, I probably had just come out of prison. Had you really? Um, I went away. We did a show about that, actually. Yeah. Uh, I went away to southern Turkey yeah. and then Lebanon. And a friend and I got banged up in jail in Lebanon. You're joking, man. What, whoa, whoa hang on a second. Stop the rest of the show. What did you do to get banged up in the Lebanon? Um, we were mistaken. I, I hasten to add mistaken. Yeah. Uh, for uh, like jihadi John, jihadist types. Oh, no. Because I had a bit of a long beard at the time. And my friend was uh, from Uzbekistan. Oh, mate. We, yeah. I'm laughing, um, but we, I, bet, I bet it was terrifying. Well, it was, Oh, it was terrifying, but it was sort of funny afterwards. How do you... Right. How do you prove to to Lebanese officials that you're not a jihadist? Well, the problem was I speak a little bit of Arabic. Right. And they couldn't understand why I would speak a little bit of Arabic unless I was a jihadist. Right. OK. OK. Because you're a white guy, and that's un- that would be unusual. Yeah. It would be. Yeah, it would be unusual. Yeah. And oh, um, mate. we would, yeah, it was just one of those. Um, <laughs> are you are you a jihadist? No, I'm not. I'm not. That, you I'm would not, say not, that. You would <laughs> say that. That's what they say. Well, I thought they would say yes. I'm a jihadist, but I'm I'm proud of it. Now kill me. Uh, how long were you? Uh, how long were you uh, banged up for? Oh, uh, just the two nights. Oh, just the just the two nights. <laughs> and tell me, those Lebanese um, those Lebanese prisons. What, what are they like? Yeah. <laughs> Second one was pretty clean. They they transported us from one oh, mate. Uh, to another. 
Oh, mate. Well, there's, there's, there's something to but tell it, the kids. It made for a good radio show. When I we, bet when it we did. I bet it did. That's right. And that, yeah. you know, is, is what I think makes a good radio host. Not somebody who's been to prison necessarily or been mistaken for a terrorist, but yeah, uh, just a bit of experience. Experience. And yeah. that can mean anything. Yeah. That can be being a parent. That could have been banged up in prison, travelling, anything like that. Experience. Yeah. Experience. Um, well, then, yeah, OK, you can do the show next week. All right, well, give, give me a call. This is my number. OK, no worries, man. We'll, 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 oh, no, I'd love to do it. 10 o'clock on Monday. Uh, Julian, I don't know who it was booked in. Kath, Julian's doing the show all next week, OK? He's, he's going to he'll be fine. Nice one, Julian. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Isn't that incredible? You look like you've just come out of prison. Well, actually, I might have done. <laughs> Flipping it. Um, Imagine being banged up in a Lebanese prison because they think you're a jihadist. Can it, I, but the closest I've got to that is when I was in Pakistan. I was there for three months. And I, I, I didn't really go out on my own there. And the, the one night, me and my friend went out on our own. It was to buy some newspapers because we, we were in the newspaper, bizarrely. So we bought loads of copies of this newspaper. And then we went, like, CD shopping. And I said to my mate, oh, you go back to the hotel. I'll make my own way back. And he said, are you sure? This was in uh, Lahore. I said, he said, are you sure? I said, yeah, 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 you go back. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to just having a wander around on my own. I feel safe, you know, it'll be fine. And so he went off, and so I was wandering around for an hour, buying, having a drink and all of this stuff. And then I got a little tuk-tuk to take me back to the hotel. And this little tuk-tuk, it, we went down this really, really dark alley, right? And then these, these about five or six blokes in army, soldiers jumped out in front and pointed their rifles at me. So I've got, five, I've got six, five or six Pakistani... Well, they were, they were... I think they were Chinese rifles, but being held by Pakistani soldiers, who I'd already learned were as bent as anything and completely corrupt. And they made me get off the tuk-tuk. And the tuk-tuk driver's cacking himself. And he goes to, to go. And I said, whoa, stay here. And, of course, I couldn't... They didn't speak English. I couldn't speak uh, Urdu or Hindi. I can always get confused as to which. All I could do was sing some songs and count to ten and say, there's a pigeon, and some swear words. And they would... And I was panicking, and they were prodding me with the the rifles. It was terrifying. And in the end, because I had these newspapers... I'll take a picture. I've still got some. And there's a picture of me on the cover of this new tiny picture of me because they, they were writing about the film we were working on. And I was going, this is me. This is me. And, and I pointed to it. And they read the story and they eventually they let me go. It was the most terrifying 10 minutes of my life because those guys make people disappear. Um, Andre. Oh. Sorry? Oh. Andre. Oh, oh, mate! Unfortunately, oh. yes. <laughs> How you going? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. And Cass? She's there. Get out! Oh, that's what I asked for you. Yeah. Um. Oh, sorry, I've only just tuned. You know, I'm a bit late tonight. That's all right, mate. Me as well. Um, but I was just, <laughs> I was just wondering what's occurring. I'm doing a, um, a radio show, mate. Yeah, no, you know Monday. Um, oh, that's the one. Week. Is that the one before Tuesday or after Tuesday? No, after Sunday. But where are you going Monday? Yes, I let you know. Say, will it come on? I let in. Sorry. <laughs> where was you going Monday, or was it the following Monday? No, I've I've been to see. Geez, I've I've been to see Arlene Phillips. <laughs> yeah. Did you say come on Arlene? No, because the song is called <laughs> "Come on Eileen." 
And her <laughs> name is Arlene. So it's, it's two completely different names. Oh, sorry. I'm a bit hard of hearing. I've got well, you're a bit, bit hard of thinking, I think. And that, yeah. Yeah. Industrial and a bit hard of being sober. Other than that, I'm all right. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Andre. That's absolutely wonderful. So, we've got lots, lots coming up in the next hour of the show. 0344 499 1000 is the telephone number. We are giving away bands. If you want a band, phone up, you name it, it's yours. We are also giving away a Samantha Fox box set. All you've got to do... It's been in the, the floor of my car for about six weeks. I'm never going to play it. All you've got to do is come up with a really good Samantha Fox question and you could be... Is that how you do a quiz? At the BBC, we weren't allowed to do them, so I don't quite remember what we call the mechanics. 0344 499 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. You're listening to Talk Radio, maybe on DAB, maybe on the Talk Radio app, possibly online at talkradio.co.uk. The show is called The Late Night Alternative, and my name is Ian Lee. Talk Radio. Morning, moan, 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 moaning, moan, 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 moan. 03444991000 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Catherine thinks that song was a dig at her, wasn't at all. It just felt like singing a bit of Billy Idol. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The wild man of late night radio, Ian Lee. A differently interesting nocturnal emissions from a legend of late night radio. On air and off the leash. The late night alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. I've just seen Kath karate kicked the, the, the studio door and then she didn't get in in time and it swung back and knocked her flying. <laughs> you put in. It was very macho. Um, uh, just to say again, tomorrow, some of you could complain because we had a long interview at the start of the show and it's not how we do stuff normally. I know it's not. One of the joys of this show is we can mix stuff up a bit. Um, and um, the reason we're doing it is... I have got like a big backlog of of sort of interviews that I've done, and I want to get as I want to get them out as many of them out before I go away because I kind of said to the the, the people it will go out the, the, and you know so I want to get them out, which is why we started with Mark Lewis and hope you enjoyed it and if, if you didn't I, I I can only apologise always here's the thing if we're doing a bit on the show you're not digging just know that that will pass at some point and something else will come on that you will dig I, I get that um, but tomorrow night. Um, we're going to open the show with the um, 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 uh, Mike Stock. Stock, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, I'm got, got, got confused. Yeah. With the Mike Stock interview. Uh, did you, did, you've just been editing it. Loved it, and my goodness. You had to bleep so out. Where, where, where exactly was the F? Was I close? About 41, yeah. yeah 41.20, I said. He, did, he dropped an F-bomb. Um, it is, I, I'm going to say this, right? I think it's one of the best interviews I've ever done. I, I genuinely do, and I, I don't normally blow my own trumpet. It's primarily because I don't have one, but... I genuinely think this is one of the best interviews I've ever done because it's with, as he said, thanks so much for asking to talk to me. No one wants to talk to me. They want to talk to Pete Waterman. Um, and so, so I've never heard Mike Stock be interviewed. Um, his stories were fascinating. Here's the thing. Even if you don't dig the music, and I know lots of you don't, um, I think you're going to find it interesting. And the one, the, the one tidbit I'll, I will drop into the mix here Honestly, his house, I've never seen anything like it. And I've, I've been to some posh houses, never seen anything like it. Stunning. He's got a few quid. And I said to him, um, I mentioned that you were going to come on the show. and we, I got loads of people were, were sending criticism and, and, and phoning in saying your music was crap. I'm guessing the answer to this is no, because I can see where you live and you've obviously done very well for yourself. Does the criticism 
um, and, and, and the, the, the snipes at your music, calling it plastic and throw away and, and manufactured, does that hurt? And you know what? Surprisingly, he said, yeah. Yeah, it does. It really does. Because um, people don't... People think that we weren't... We didn't care about the music, and we did. People think that with the songs, that, you know, we were just tossing them off, and we didn't. Um, and he said, he said, I would love to sit down with one person at a time and just t- ask them what their problem is and explain why, how much time and passion and energy I've put into it. And I said, Mike, do you know what? I'd watch that as a TV series. Each week, Mike confronts another one of his critics. Um, and and here's another, here's a thing I learned. Him... And um, Aitken, I can never remember Aitken's first name, which is annoying. They played all the music. The two of them played all, apart from the odd saxophone and, and the odd string, they played all of the music. It is incredible. And the, the, this man is, honestly, he has got a few quid, right? But he's, he's still making music. He could, he could never work, he wouldn't have to work another day in his life if he didn't want to. He could sail around the world every day and, 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 and uh, he's still making music. He's still doing it because he loves doing it. And I just think, I just think you're going to find it really interesting. I'm sure you will. Uh, onwards and upwards tonight, uh, 55 minutes to go. Oh, three, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand. Good evening, Lewis. Hi, Ian. Uh, Mike Aitken, that's it. Yes, Lewis. Hi, you alright? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. What we got? Um, yeah, I've got a bit of an idea for a show. Mm. Uh, it, it might be rubbish, might be good. Um, Lewis, is this Dom putting on a... Are you Dom putting on a silly voice? No. S- stay there. No, no. Dom, are you Lewis putting on a silly voice? I've got an idea for the show. OK, right. Oh, it's not bad. Go on, Lewis, what you got? Close, close. Um, Matt Aiken, no, Matt Aiken, thank it's you. It's just... I'm not much of a film buff. Are you a film buff yourself? Well, I don't know what sure. that means. I, I like watching films, yes. I don't go into the yeah. minutiae of who, you know, was the best boy and, and key grip, but I, I do like watching films. It's a little bit inspired by... Um, you've been playing, was it the Nick Knowles song? Oh. Uh, I don't know too much about it. But... An eye for an eye! Yeah, yeah. Uh, tragic. Um, I don't want to get you in trouble or whatever. But, well, uh, well, I think we can handle Nolsey. Yeah, um, so it's it's basically, can I say the SH1T word? Well, you just say SH1T. OK, so the SH1TTED-T... Hang on, say it again. SH1T-E... No, no, SH1T-T-E-S-T... Films ever made. Right, okay. Got it right. Okay, we got it. Yeah, I got it. Right, okay. Yeah, I'm with you. We're there now. Yeah. Yeah, so as I say, I'm not much of a film buff myself, but me and my friends have um, recently got into a scene where we watch the worst films of all time. Yeah. They're so bad that they are quite highly. um, Like Rotten Tomatoes will give them. I mean. They're so bad that they're entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've sat on YouTube recently and watched like some that are just awful. Um, Go on, give us an so, example. Uh, a, a film called The Room. Um, Neil Breen. Is it the the Polish actor? Oh, is is he the fellow with the dark hair? And he he Long, writes and directs his own hair. films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil Neil yeah. Breen. Yeah, he's famous. He is. I, I just couldn't... It, it I have never... It, loads of people keep talking to it, saying you should you should uh, g- get Neil Breen on or something. I've never been able to sit through a Neil Breen film. He writes and um, produces and directs and stars in his own films, and they're awful. I've never been able to sit through more than ten minutes. 
Well, I've just I've sat on YouTube and the comments sum it up. They're like, everyone in the film looks like they they've never you know they don't know what they're doing. They've not read the script. Um, they've just been picked up off the street and yeah. said, "Do you want to be in a film?" Basically, so. Yeah, I've got this fascination with films that are so bad that they're kind of good in a weird way. So I just thought if the listeners, if, if anyone can recommend anything that is awful yes, to the point where it's so bad that it's quite good, um, I can fill my days. Um, Lewis, I keep listening, people. People will um, call in. I am sure. Good evening, Julie. Good evening. Good evening. And can I just say, if the interviews that you do where I think, oh, I don't think I'm going to like this, but I actually listen to yes. because, and they tend to be fascinating. So I would urge anybody who thinks they might not like something yeah. to give it a go. The, honestly, the, the, the Mike Stock one, such an interesting bloke, such an interesting man, you know. I, I, I find the whole thing fascinating, and, and we're going to do that tomorrow. And, and then when, when I come back, we're going to kind of just ease off the interviews a little bit. Because I, 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 I'm, I'm, but here's okay. Let's 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 have this conversation on air. Why the hell not? I am slightly worried <clears throat> that I am doing two separate shows in one. Uh, you know, a um, late night. Uh, what did the, what did the radio times used to call my uh, my show on uh, Absolute? Um, uh, oh, a, a late night manic phone in. Um, I'm doing a late night manic phone in, and then I'm also doing something that's a bit radio four front row artsy. And um, I don't, I don't know if the two necessarily go together. I don't know. So what? It doesn't matter. Well, I don't think. No, and maybe you're right. I don't. I just need to. I just need to have a little think about it. next week when I'm when I'm in a hot air balloon in Marrakesh. I'll have a little think about it, and uh, we'll we'll see. Um, so, and the guy that was on just recently talking about bad films that are so bad, I would say to him, watch United Passions. When you say the guy that was on just recently, he was literally just, just on now. before you. Just now, okay, yeah, just now. Because just recently, that makes it sound like he was on <laughs> Tuesday or something. That's a weird... <laughs> okay. That's a weird turn of phrase. The guy that was on previously. Guy, well, previously, that makes it sound like yesterday's episode. Previously on 24. The guy that was on before me, I would recommend that he watches United Passions. Okay, that's that's fantastic. Okay, um, but that's not why I called. <laughs> no, I called no. to ask to be assigned a band. And I'm going to turn it into a quiz. I'm going to give you the first line of one of their songs. Yes. And you tell me what band it is. All right. What what are we we doing? Hang on. Say it again. I'm going to give you the opening lyric to one of their songs. Yes. And you tell me what the band is. Okay, yeah, go ahead. She was frigid like a Bible when she met her boyfriend, Michael. Uh, Half man, half biscuit. No. Oh, I know this line. Um... You do. Say it again. She was frigid like a Bible when she met her boyfriend, Michael. Cass, do you know this? Nope. I know it. I can give you... Do you want another one of their opening yeah, lyrics? Yeah, I do, I do, I do. Yeah, yeah. You'll get it from this one. They do it down on canvas they Oh, Squeeze! Squeeze! Yes. Squeeze! I would like Squeeze, please. Squeeze, squeeze is yours. you got Squeeze. Yay! There we go, Julie. What, and what are you going to do with them? Because you now actually own them. You have to feed them and water them and cut their hair. What will you be doing oh with God, Squeeze? Oh, my God, like a Tamagotchi? Yes, like a... <laughs> oh Don't my forget God. them. Oh, can, oh we get, can we get a show Tamagotchi? <laughs> can we get a Tamagotchi for the show? And we press reset with a, with a pen, so it goes back to, zip to an egg, and then we, we hatch it. Mine always ended up dying in their own feces. Well, that's um, because you're a pig. 
you're a pig. Uh, mine um, always went on to um, become doctors and lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Thank you, Julie. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. I'm Ian Lee. This is the late night alternative on Talk Radio. Late night radio with the original king of unconventional conversation. Make contact with Ian Lee. The late night alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Uh, good evening, Dan. Good evening, Ian. Yes, Dan. I have a Sam Fox question for Okey-dokey, you. Okie dokie, away you go. Do I need to give you the answer as well? How's this going to work? You give me the, you give me the question. What is, what is so confusing? You, uh, okay. the, the competition is, got give me a Sam Fox question. What connects Sam Fox with judo man Brian Jacks? Brian Jacks. Motorbike man Eddie Kidd. Yep. Fictional man Tarzan. Mustachioed man, Nigel Mansell. Mm. Hmm. Okay, stay there a second, uh, Dan. Dom? Hello. Have you called in for the Sam Fox quiz? Uh, no, but I'll give it a go. Okay, what's your Sam Fox question? Oh, question? I thought you wanted an answer to the, uh... Okay, let's go to Kyle. Good evening, Kyle. Good evening. Have you called in for the Sam Fox quiz? I had many things, but I'll give the Sam Fox one a go if you want. Okay, what's your Sam Fox question? Uh, my Sam Fox question was uh, she was uh, gaining notoriety in the sun, but how many copies did it sell in March 2014? What, the sun? Yeah. Was she in it? Well, I'm sure she was mentioned in it, but she wasn't originally. What do you, yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm sure she was mentioned in it. Oh, well, she would have been, wouldn't she? Because she was always doing something wacky and outrageous. In March 2014? Yeah. Well, she wasn't. Well, it's kind of a link, isn't it? Because she was in the sun, that's how she made it's her name. It's not a question about Sam Fox. Right, you, you go back and think about that. Let's go to, um, hang on a second. Jonathan, have you called in for the Sam Fox quiz? Hello, Jonathan? Hello? Have you called in for the Sam Fox quiz? No. Okay, right, stay there a second. Jerry? Jerry? Hello. Have you called in for the Sam Fox quiz? No. Right, okay. Dom, have you got a Sam Fox quiz? Oh, 344 We're doing a Sam Fox quiz. Dom, have you got a Sam Fox question now? Sam. Okay, we'll come back to you in a minute. Kyle, have you actually got a question that's about Sam Fox now? So, you have your I'm chance to win a Sam Fox box set that's been on the I'm floor of my car for about six weeks. I'm still thinking about it, come after that. Right, you're you still thinking about what? Well, I've solved another question. Right. Right, Dan, give us your question again. What connects Sam Fox with judo man Brian Jacks, motorbike man Eddie Kidd, fictional man Tarzan, and moustached man Nigel Mansell? Is it... Is it... They've all got... Is it they've all got names? That is a connection. I'm looking for a very specific Jane, connection. Jane! Jane! I know. They all ripped the trousers. That's not bad, is it, Dan? It's not bad, but it's not true. OK. I uh, bet it is. Well. Tarzan's um, in a right state. Tarzan doesn't wear trousers. He wears just wears a loincloth. Um, let's hope that... Um, uh, Dom, have you got a, a Sam Fox question now, please? Yes, I have, yeah. OK, where you go? Uh, which Sam Fox song got to number 31 in the charts? That is a good question. 
That's a good question. Stay there, um, Dom. Kyle, have you got a question now about Sam Fox specifically? Yeah, what was the uh, TV? What was the name of the TV program that she uh, famously got tanked up on, dressed as uh, Dracula? What do you mean tanked up on? She got tanked. She got leathered, and then she did a backstage interview. What she does that mean? Do you mean people. drunk? Yeah. Yes. Don't no know what I mean. So give us, give us, the, all, right, all right, well, there's a lot of aggression coming from you today, Carl, and I'm going to send you to the <laughs> naughty corner. Um, so just give us that question again, Carl, because I like that. What what reality show was Sam Fox on where she appeared dressed as Dracula running the bar and then started attacking people? Right, oh, now here's yeah, the thing. you're doing too many clues. Here's the thing, well, yeah, well, here's the thing now. You've given away too many clues there, Carl. No. That's celeb- like celebrity bartenders or something, wouldn't it? The bar. It's called the bar or something, yeah? Mm. Yeah? Might be. Yeah. Right. So, so go away. Um, so this is what, this is, we'll wait a couple of minutes if anyone else wants to phone in. Um, and then what we'll do, Catherine. Yeah. Sorry, am I keeping you up? Yes. Um, what we'll do is the winner, and this probably, I'm thinking this goes against all Ofcom rules, okay? So I'm hoping none of our trolls are listening. Yeah, you're not who, supposed to give anything away. No, we're, no, we, no, we're not the BBC. We can give stuff away. Well, no, 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 we can give stuff away, but it's got to be fair. And I don't think this competition is actually going to be fair. Mm. Um, so, uh, just hope that, that please. All I say is, please don't report us to Ofcom because this this is one that we, I won't be able to withstand. The question that between us we can answer wins. The questioner wins. The Sam Fox boxer. That's why I'll be rewarding like someone for a really easy question. Then. No, well, that's why I, I made Carl come up with another one because that uh, was too easy. Yeah. So let's right. Let's have the questions we've got so far. And the one that we can answer, the questioner wins the box set. Simple as. So Dan, give us your question again, please, mate. What connects Samantha Fox with judo man Brian Jacks? Yes. Motorbike man Eddie Kidd. Yep. Fictional man Tarzan, and mustachioed man. I amusingly um, told a motorcyclist today to F off who does he think he is, Barry effing Sheen. He was only about 19, he wouldn't have a clue who I was talking about. Um, he wouldn't even have known who you were talking about if you'd said Mr Sheen. Exactly. Dom, let's have your question again, please, mate. Which Sun Fox song got to number 31 in the UK charts? OK, thank you. Um, Kyle, have you come up with a decent question now that's not too easy, please? Told I need to think of another question. Oh, for God's sakes, Kyle! What is wrong? Rod, have you called in for the Sam Fox quiz? I have, yeah. Okay, what's your Sam Fox question? Well, I've got the answer to the Nigel Mansell one. Right, this is not. Oh, God, people! Breathe. Everyday people. It's a Sam Fox quiz. Um, So, obviously, you have to phone in with a Sam Fox question. To ask us. Yeah. We're not interested in your answers. No. We're interested in your questions. Exactly. And the one that we can answer wins the Sam Fox it's box not, set. It's not hard. It's really not hard. And it goes against all of the rules of, of uh, competitions on radio. So I really hope that um, that guy's not listening. So, Rod, with that I've in... Got one. Yeah, have you got one? What's your Sam yeah. Fox question? Um, what Sam Fox song went to number one in 15 countries? Oh. Okay, all right. I mean, that's easy. Well, well, but, well, well, it is, but 
The others could have asked easier questions. Yeah. Admittedly, I hadn't explained the rules until after they'd asked their questions. And that's partly because I hadn't actually made up the rules until about 35 seconds Can ago. Can I also add something? Yeah. I think that Rod should win because someone called Rod should have a Sam Fox box set. Why? Rod. What do you mean? Well, it's like a male member, isn't it? Oh, grow up. Grow up. But what about Dom? Condom. <laughs> right, so... Uh, right, hang on, we've had Dom. Kyle, have you got a bloody question now, man? Right, OK. <clears throat> what was the group name when she took part in A Song for Europe in Ooh. 1995? Oh! <laughs> that is a great question! But I don't know the answer. OK, let's go through these. Let's start with Dan's question, right? So what's the connection between Brian Jacks, Eddie Kidd, Tarzan, Nigel Manson and Sam Fox? Um, um, sports, Brian Jacks, Superstar Challenge. Um, they all like ladies. Um, yeah, true. Yeah, it's true. Eddie Kidd, of course, famously injured himself quite seriously in a motorbike crash. Tarzan, Tarzan, Tarzan. Nigel Mansell cut moustaches. Brian Jacks. Um, I tell you what we're going to do. This is this is how we're going to do it. This is beautiful. This is actually a really good competition. Uh, we're going to give ourselves 30 seconds, and if at the end of it, and we're genuinely doing our best, we're not Googling it, we're not looking at Twitter. I'm not, I'm not. No, I know, so I'm saying we're not. I'm trying uh, to get out of the answer from this group. Genuinely, um, if, if we can't answer it the name, in the end of 30 seconds, then I'm afraid, Dan, you've not won. So the music, it, but will I get a small radio car sticker? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course you get a car sticker and you'll get a signed photo. Right. Um, Samantha Fox, Brian... OK, let's just, let's just fire things at it. Um, they all like ladies. Um, rip clothes. Uh, rip clothes. Um, uh, sports. They've all won. They've all won. Tarzan. Tarzan was a lord, wasn't he? Lord of the Grace jungle. Stoke, yeah. Uh, uh, what was the, the, the monkey called? Cheetah. They're all cheetahs. Mm. Um, they've all got pet monkeys. Have they all got pet monkeys? No. Oh! What's the answer, Dan? You could waggle your joystick in the 1980s to a selection of games released for the ZX Spectrum by Martin. He's right. I'm sorry, Dan. It's a great question, but I'm afraid it was too good. Right, then. Let's go to Dom. Let's, Dom, just give us your question again. I hope you know my name at school is Domadou, not Dom Dom. (laughs) This is a great competition, by the way, guys. The Sam Fox quiz. This really is superb. Okay, Dom. So, go on, tell us again, uh, Condom. (laughs) Which... Which Sam Fox song got to number 31 in the UK charts? It's a good one, Condom. OK, right, so Maybe. it wasn't um, Touch Me, because I'm, 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 that, that was a huge hit. Um, um, let's, let's, we've got 30 seconds. Uh, what other songs should... one of those. Well, I haven't got the box set with me, so I can't look at it. We know she did a song with um, um, Lemmy's uh, uh, mm-hmm. group, whose name I can't Motorhead. Think of. Motorhead. Um, was it, it wasn't, uh, girl, oh, okay, I'm going to name songs. Uh, did she do Girls' School? Did she do, um, was it Please, nope. Please Me? Did she do Please, Please Me? To her, don't but that wasn't it. Okay. Um, did she do An Eye for an Eye and, uh... Oh, uh, no, oh, God. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll say Touch Me, but it's not that. It's not that. Would you like to give us the answer, please, Dominic? Dominic, naughty girls need love too. Don't they just, Dominic? It's a great question. I'm sorry, mate, you're not a winner. Um, Someone's just stepped up to the table. Good evening, Stephen. Hello there. Have you called in for the Sam Fox quiz? I certainly have. What's your question? What was the name of Sam Fox's long-term partner who died of cancer in 2015? Very, very sad story. And I saw, I've seen them because they were on Celebrity Wife Swap, weren't they? They were, yes. Who did they swap with? It wasn't. 
Paul Daniels. It was, um, was it McCrerick? Bobby yeah. Davro. Bobby Davro. I'm not sure. Anyway, that's not the question. No, no, no. Stop distracting. Um, all right, uh, 30 seconds. Here we go. Um, and I should know this, I've seen that. Uh, very sad story, that. Like... I'm going to just throw some names out. Jane, uh, Linda... No. Uh, Susie. She say no. some girls' names, Kath. Uh, I... Catherine. Ka- Karen. No. Katie. Lucy. No. Nope. Janine. Sandra. No. Amajit. Mel. Pradeep. No. Uh, um, Chris- Barbara. Barbara. No. Alison. No. Oh, uh, mate, who was it? Myra Stratton. Myra. Oh, there's a great question, Stephen. I'm sorry you don't win. Um, Darren, good evening, Darren. Have you phoned in for the Sam Fox quiz? Yes, I am. What's your question? OK, right. We all know about the debacle when she hosted it with Mick Fleetwood at the Brits. Yes. But we're not going to go there. So she was nominated as Best Female in the 1988 Brits. Yeah. And I want to know who, unbelievably, still in 1988, was hosting the Brits that year. 1988. Who's hosting the Brits? 1988. So someone older, so someone from the 70s, I'm going to guess. I'm yep. I'm going to say Barry Manilow. I'm going to say from the Brits, Tony, Marty, or, Tony Marty Orlando. Kane. Um, no. Um, oh, God. Let me try to think of some NAF 70s people. Um, Still going to do No, you go. No, 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 Des clues. O'Connor. No clues. Okay. No clues. Des, Des O'Connor? No. Um, Cliff Richard? No. Oh, Darren, the time is up. Who was it? It was Noel Edmonds. Oh, oh, mate, good question. I'm afraid you don't win. Um, right, we've got more people phoning in. So let's do... Let's. This is so tense. Kyle, stay there. We'll do Kyle, then we'll do Rod. Well, I think we might win. And then we'll do Harry. This is the um, Sam Fox quiz. We do it every Thursday night <laughs> after midnight on Talk Radio. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. Unfiltered Night Talk with the original king of unconventional conversation on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Okay, we're playing the Sam Fox quiz. Kyle is up next. Kyle, um, just give us your question again. It's a great question. Okay, so she took place, uh, she took part rather, sorry, in the song for Europe back in 95. Yeah. But what's the song title? 95? Wow, that was, was late. It the song title? I thought it was the group you were You after. wanted the group, buddy. Yeah, well, well, I might have, yeah, sorry, I might have got that wrong. Yeah, the, the group title, the group name, sorry, okay. Catherine. Good job, someone's um, Was it the Fluffers? No. Uh, Jugs. <laughs> with a Z. <laughs> Baps? With a Z? Knockers. Why you said Flaps with a Z? Flaps? No, was it Flaps? Sam, Fo- Sam, Fox's, flaps. Sam Fox and her Flaps. Sam Fox Flaps. Was no. it? No. Um, was it the Rainmakers? No. Golden Showers? Double X. No. Oh, mate, I don't know what it is. What was it? It was Socks. Oh. <laughs> Should have been Jugs. Was it Socks with an X? <laughs> S-O-X. Yeah, of course it was. Carl, well, listen, mate, thank you. I know you call the Sam Fox quiz every week, and your, your questions are just too good for us. Maybe next week, buddy. Maybe next week. Cheers. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Is this socks. Socks. Um, <laughs> Rod. Yeah, I've got a better question. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, no. okay. It's gonna be, it'll be a lot of fun because it's, it's, it's a guessing game. Okay. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> VH1 voted Sam Fox in the 160th artist. Yeah. At what number was she ranked? Pardon? 
rank oh. number that you ranked out of 100? Say again, you does sound like you're saying, um... Say, well, say... Sa- Sam Fox... Yeah? ...was ranked in VH1's <laughs> 100th sexiest... He's got, he's got soft R's. All right, no, 69. No. That would be good if it was, wouldn't it? 33. No. 15. No. 83. Ooh, no. 84. No. 82. No. 81. Yes. Which one? 81. Hey! Roger, you've won this week's Sam Fox quiz. Oh. You get get, um, Sam Fox's box set. Amazing. Um, What we're going to do is if you stay on the line... um, I'm, I'm assuming this is how it works, only because I've heard other <laughs> presenters do this in films. If you stay on the line, Sam will take your details and we'll get that sent out to you tomorrow. And we may even get it signed by all three members of Jugs. <laughs> oh, wicked. Rod, thank, thank you. you very much. Oh, look at that. What a bad loser, Harry. Harry was, was all ready to play and he's just put the phone down. Crying. He, d- he didn't even want to play for fun. Didn't even want to play for a little bit of fun. He just he's just slammed that phone down. He's having a little hi- hissy fit. Um, well <laughs> done. I enjoyed that. Let's go to uh, Jerry. Good evening, Jerry. Hello. I was just trying to say Sam Fox. Sam Fox's question. We're going very well. Thank you, Norman. What? Good stuff. Sorry. Calm down. Good stuff. Good stuff. You may be saying. We don't know what you've said. You may have just issued uh, a jihadi order to kill, for all we know. And then you're saying good stuff as uh, a spree takes place. I'm hoping you wouldn't do that on my show. Huh? Say again. No, it, well, but neither of us can understand each other, so that's good. What uh, you got for us, Jer? Uh, I said, someone doing something with Mike Stock. Which one is it? Get confused. Say that again. Ma- ma- what did you say about Mike Stock? I'm in Wednesday interview tomorrow. Is that oh, Wednesday interview tomorrow night, ten o'clock. Don't be good. I two different shows in one. I don't know if that's. I don't know if it's too confusing for the casual. Listener, doing two shows in one. I just need to. I need to go away, Jerry, and drink um, horrible Moroccan coffee and uh, meditate in the ninety to five degree heat. That's what I need to do. I think we Yeah, maybe, maybe that's the way. I don't. I. I don't know. Because normally we'd have we'd have an interview. Someone will come in, or we'll get someone on the phone for half an hour. But they've just recently, since New York, they've become kind of longer and more sprawling, and I just wonder if that's the way to go or not. I don't know. I don't know. Nick Knowles, get Nick Knowles. Get Nick Knowles. Nick Knowles is coming in. Jerry, I'm going to let you go, because it's a bit, bit difficult to hear you tonight. It, it's a hot night. Up your bum. Oh, in my up, pants. Up your go. He's gone. I don't want to know In his pants. Clear as a bell. Dear God. <laughs> Good evening, Jonathan. Hello, Ian. Hello, Jonathan. What you got for us? I don't know. I've just lost the will to live in the last ten minutes. Well, why, why is that, man? Did, did, did you know all the answers to the Sam Fox quiz and you were getting frustrated? No. <laughs> it's a good box set. Uh, I just wondered what minefield I'd uh, walked into. You have walked into... Well, you've, you've, just, you've just walked into the edges of the Sam Fox minefield. We do it every Thursday night after midnight. We have the Sam Fox quiz. But it's over now, uh, Jonathan. We are clear. The fox is um, on the run again. Hmm? So um, right. we, you're back. You're back, buddy. H- hang on to hang on to your dreams. 
<laughs> I gave up on my dreams long ago. Dreams? I keep having the saddest dream, and it's partly his medication and partly just because my life is a wreck at the moment, but the saddest, saddest dreams, John. They're not even scary, they're just really sad. Mm. Mm. I was uh, listening to Melvin Bragg tonight on oh, yes. uh, Radio 4. Oh, yeah, he's good. I like and, him. Yeah, I'm thinking of actually reading uh, Wuthering Heights. Oh, it's good. Yeah, I, uh, the way they were describing he- he- Heathcliff. Heathcliff. Uh, I, I, I could relate to him. <laughs> what, brooding? Uh, well, he's a little bit more than brooding. Well, I know, for starters, though. Brooding, um... <laughs> Uh, angry. I don't think he plays computer oh, yeah. games. Heathcliff, it's me, Cathy, I mean, I've come home. Basically, he, he's a foundling and he's damaged goods, isn't he, Heathcliff? But he's also wildly sexy. Is that you? No, not the latter. Oh. No, so, uh, uh, but, uh, oh, and uh, I've got an imposter. Oh, so was someone impersonating yeah. you? Yeah. Go on, who? Well, you. I, well, I don't know who. It's not me. Oh, Why, what? Well, so, uh, some, someone is impersonating me on Gab. Oh, the, uh, the, uh, are you sure they've just not yeah. got the same horrific <laughs> right-wing views that you have, and it's, that's confusing you? Uh, no, uh, th- uh, this person uh, is a blatant uh, troll. I've, uh, I, I feel rather... I, it's rather flattering that I've got under the nerve, nerves of so many... Uh, left-wing uh, Nazi fanatics I've, they um, feel the need to impersonate I've me. got uh, I've got a troll at the moment. It's it's um, uh, it's an out-of-work nobody. And it's, it's, the guy's obsessed with me to the point where I think there's some kind of sexual attraction. It's very, very strange. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I think I'm, I'm going to... I might say, look, if you just want me to... I, I, if you want me to do something, I'll do it. Let's just get this out of the way and then we can move on. Oh, it's interesting, oh, isn't it? Believe you me, Ian, you're getting off lightly. Oh. <laughs> Is it interesting that men tend to, towards other men, yeah. get very nasty and bitchy, I'm going to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or to a woman, they would just be, like, send vile threats, maybe a picture yeah. of their penis. Would you rather have that? I think I'd rather have pictures of his penis. <laughs> It'd be something to laugh at, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. A little chipolata. Jonathan, thank you very much indeed. I'm not quite sure what you, you called in for, but um, that's often the case with uh, with your phone calls. But we appreciate each and every one. Last 20 minutes of the show, 0344 is the telephone number. The Late Night Alternative on DAB, on app and online on Talk Radio. The Late Night Lip Service for lovers, loners and lounge lizards. Yeah, well, where, where exactly is your accent from? The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. Oh, I've forgotten your name already, excuse me. On Talk Radio. Um, Hugh Hefner, dirty old man. Dirty old Hefner, been young ladies. I don't believe he was. He wasn't at the end. He was 91 years old. You know when he had um, the uh, reality TV show where he had these three quote-unquote girlfriends? No. Yeah, he did. Well, I don't know. I don't, well, he may have done, but I don't know it. Well, he did. OK, well, I'm sure he did, but I don't know it. You, your question was, do you know it? And the answer is no. OK, let me rephrase. He had a reality TV show where oh, he was he? in with three girls yeah, yeah quote unquote girlfriends i don't believe way. he was giving them like any of them one i think he was just looking after him i bet 
No. Because they, they're all married to young men now, men their own age. And if you're into 80-year-olds, then surely no, that's quite got, niche. No, but no, no, no. They weren't into 80-year-olds. They were into 80-year-old millionaires. That's what they were into. They all got paid for, for, for having it off with him. No. Yeah, of course they did. No, they just lived there rent-free in their oh, little girls' they bedrooms. Live, they lived there rent-free. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Because apparently the Playboy Mansion's, like... Rent-free. He's, uh, he's, uh, yeah, you guys, you girls, you can stay here rent-free, but you got to suck my dick. Oh, don't, because that's happening now, isn't it? What? People are advertising for um, female housemates, what? and they don't have to um, pay rent. You just got to suck my dick. That's that's where I'm. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm, happening. Where I'm staying, that's uh, that's, why I, that's why I get such a cheap deal <laughs> on the flat. That's what's going on there. Um, yeah, yeah. I just it, oh, it's a, it's a, look at this. Here's a picture of um. There we go. It's a picture of a bloke holding a small shark out of the water. The shark's grabbing hold of his his. What? Grabbing hold of his willy? No, it's not. It, it's, it, the shark's got him there. <laughs> Hang on. A snorkeler, it's a shark, it's, it's about two foot. A snorkeler was left writhing in agony after a shark tried to bite off his willy. Irvin McCarty was, neither of those are, are names, Irvin McCarty was, uh, oh, by the way, one of the books I'm taking with me next week is the, um, is, uh, the autobiography of Willis from Different Strokes. That's going to get devoured. Irvin McCarty was attacked... What's it called? Um, what I'm talking about? No, I can't remember. Irvin McCarty was attacked off Florida and feared he might bleed to death or even drown. He said, I had to get up for air with the shark pulling me down. Um, the attack was caught on video and Irvin's pal was heard yelling, It didn't get your penis, did it? Exhausted Irvin eventually got back in the boat as his friend tried to prise the creature off him. He was only freed when a mate stabbed it. What? Let's have a look. Let's go. I want to see that video. Um, what's his name? Irvin. What is it? McCreary. McCarty. McCarty. I thought you had to punch um, Irvin, shark, sharks on the nose. Irvin McCarty shark party. Um, here it is. Unless it's one of those strange news things where it's read by a robot, which you always get on. Here we go. Graphic content. This is going to be great. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> there it is! It's a shark holding onto his stomach! No, no, hold him still, hold him still. Or get him, get him, get him lay down so I can. Down. Jeez! This is horrific! your penis, did he? Technically, it's nowhere near his dick. It looks like he's trying to put it in his shorts. The, the shark is welded to him with his teeth. Don't put your finger in there, you idiot! We're gonna have to kill him, Kill him! Save him. We're gonna have to kill him. Yeah, kill him! Stab the shark! Stab the shark! Out of the way, we're filming this, out of the way. Stabbed him in the head. Cut his slicing through his head. We're gonna bleed Herb out. Whoa! Gotta bleed out, Herb! He's laughing! Fair play, he's getting attacked by a shark and he's laughing! They're all laughing. Look at those teeth! Look at the blood! A little bit more. Slice him on in between the eyes. No, oh, yeah, in between yeah. the eyes. Oh. Oh. oh, oh, You're just trying to protect your bone. Of course he's trying to protect his bone. No, get his bone right there. I tried that. Jesus. Oh, 
They're making a right mess of that shark. Get his brain! Don't get his guts open! That stinks! There's blood everywhere. It looks like a, it looks like the scene from Alien, doesn't it? Oh, he's still alive! Let him go, let him go, let him go. Let him go, let him go. He's gone. Let's see the, let's see your belly. Is he let go or is he back biting again? Look at the s**t. He's got another bite already. He's now biting him on the side. If you don't get his brain. If you don't, next time he lets go, let him fall, don't grab him. He's, now he's not laughing now. That's a different bite there. State of that. He's almost let after that guy. Oh! You dirty! Oh, poor little guy! Throw the poor little fella over! Hit that fresh water! I'd throw him at the woman. She was loving it, wasn't she? You ain't wearing no underwear. Of course, he's not wearing underwear. He's been swimming, you idiot. So bad. That's just a hickey. It's just a hickey. I that think they've is, all been on the beers all afternoon. That is... Um, I'll, I'll tweet that if you want to see that. Um, there you go. Um, wow, that's uh, that's exciting, isn't it? Don't you think that's exciting? Man getting bitten by a tiny shark. That's pretty much what we just saw there. That was good. I enjoyed that. That was fun. Shark dance. <clears throat> Irving McCarty there. Golf has beaten cricket, snooker, chess and bridge to be crowned the world's most boring game. Mm. Chess isn't boring. Bridge is boring because I don't know the rules. Um, snooker's not boring. Cricket is boring. I would say cricket is, is more boringer than golf. More boringer? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I would say cricket is fewer boringer than golf. In... <laughs> That was that was quite quick. I'm very, very tired. It was quite quick. In a poll of 2,000 Brits, 39% voted it the biggest turn-off of all sports. And the bloke who did the thing, who I'm not going to mention. Brits have a funny relationship. as a boring story. I think all sports boring there. Have that. I don't get it. A swimmer has been banned by pool bosses for dressing as a mermaid. Hmm? Quite right. Um, Leia Trigger. Why has no one got na a proper name anymore? <laughs> Leia Trigger, 18, who goes by the name Mermaid Ares. <laughs> <laughs> when? At last, All the time. a proper name. <laughs> took the plunge in her spandex-type costume... Complete with a specially designed tail. Yeah, I've seen them. She said, it's about a sense of being able to just dive in and explore it as a mythical, amazing, graceful creature. Well, was she exploring all, like, the corn plasters and the but, hair at the bottom of the pool? But bosses at the baths in Bron Bromsgrove <laughs> barred her for health and safety reasons. She said, I'm out of action now. <laughs> but aren't people stupid? I mean, people... What they've said is you can't go in with that. They're not bander. No. No. People... You can't tie your feet together and go in the pool because it's probably quite dangerous. No. You massive plum, you're 18. Get a job. Mermaids. Mm 
The twerking businessmen in high heels have angered more viewers than any other TV advert. No. I, was, I don't remember the last time I watched a television advert. Oh, oh the, 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 do you love penis galadas? That one. Cause, just because they show that all the time on Crystal Maze. It's the only thing I watch. If you watch it on iPlayer, that's, they put that in. It's the only thing I watch. Um, it's about a year to the day that I started watching um, GBH, the um, Robert Lindsay, Michael Palin series from the 80s. Oh, right. Ten episodes. And it's about a year. Um, I'm halfway through episode three. <laughs> really taking my... Really savouring it. I must admit, episode one and two were excellent. Episode three I'm finding quite boring. So... How long has it been you've been watching that episode? Oh, well, I started episode three about a month ago. Mm. And I, I gave it a couple of minutes. And I went back to it last week, about halfway through it. So I reckon... I reckon by 2020, I'll have done that episode. They claim Money Supermarket's ad was offensive. This is the one where it's men in the shorts, you know. Yeah. They said it was offensive, overtly sexual, homophobic, and had the potential to incite hate crimes. Are people stupid? Yes, they are. We know that. Next question. Why is it homophobic? Blokes dancing like women. I've never never once saw that and thought... Oh, they're gay, or they're taking the Mickey out of gays. I thought it was just blokes with top half his business and bottom half is working well, it. Yeah. yeah. More than four hundred and fifty people complained to the Advertising Standards Authority between January and June over the controversial commercial. It could incite hate crimes. Match.com's advert of a woman removing her female partner's top before they kiss. What the heck? Mm-hmm was the second most complained about ad, with 293 gripes. Here we go. The ASA did not ban either ad, ruling they would be unlikely to cause widespread offence, and that everyone who complained was a knobber. McDonald's decided to remove its own advert, featuring a mum helping her son grieve for his father... <laughs> oh, I remember this. They had nothing in common except they both like a, a fillet of fish. Two hundred fifty people complained about it. Um, yeah, it was good. Uh, Fancy uh, complaining about an advert. Um, at my mate Alex Lowe's, an actor, and um, he, about ten years ago, he got a part. He said, "I've got, a, I've got a really good part in a McDonald's ad." He was a dad in it, taking his kids. I think it was, it was like. Um, like a marriage breakup thing, and and and, and so the advert was he was got to take his kid on a Saturday to McDonald's. And, and listen, said, if and you've he, been in McDonald's on a Saturday, yeah, you know that's real life. And he said, "This is great. It's a repeat fee, and uh, this is going to be a big ad. It's going to get used a lot." Um, then Vanessa felt started a campaign to get it banned, and it got shown three times, and then got taken off the air. Vanessa, <laughs> <laughs> he was gutted. He was gutted. Um, Andrew's gone nuts on Twitter. Evil bastards, leave the shark alone. If you go in the water, you take the risk. Yeah, but it was it was eating the man. You know, it was... So if you get eaten by a shark, you've got to go, oh, well, it was... It, I mean, admittedly, it was not a clean kill that they were administering. They were, yeah, they were making a It wasn't a, right a clean kill, but, um... I mean, I would have got a hammer and smacked its head in. Finger up the bum. Um, well, uh, not now, I'm, I'm busy, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> Let me finish this, and then uh, we can discuss it. <laughs> Dear listener, we're back at ten o'clock tonight. It's going to be a busy old show tonight. We've got um, uh, uh, Mike Stock, we've got Robin Asquith, and uh, we'll have time for your calls as well. So it should be a busy old night tonight. Uh, do spread the word. There is a, a new talk show in town. This is The Late Night Alternative. My name is Ian Lee. That was Catherine Boyle. You have been listening to Talk Radio.